You're in the dryer, Catherine. I don't know. I still think you're in the dryer. I'll work on it. Snort for me. Let me know you still care. No. Oh, you're in one of those moods. This is going to be like two episodes ago. I'm feeling it. I can control it, you know. You have to make her laugh. Oh, that won't be hard. We're doing season two. She's in the cocoon. Okay, you're now in the driveway. All right, we're getting colder. I think we have Matt from Puffa. Matt? Matt, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I, I just ran eight miles because I'm trying to drop weight. <coughs> Is it working? Ah! What the hell was that? I'm really sorry about that. Danielle from across the room just went, what was that noise? <laughs> it was in my eardrum, dear. Just, I was scrambling to grab my mic, mm-hmm. and I put it in, and it just made the scariest sound I've heard in my life. We I, know, I, we I, heard. I believe I heard it. This is Catherine, you don't know her, she growls and snorts. Not and at I, the same time, by the way. That would be kind of No, I think you should try it, come on, can you do I, it? I think you should try it. Worst case, ER trip, two hours, you're done. <laughs> I've gone to the ER enough this year, I'm good, thank you. You've also been to North Korea, too, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. True. I'm not alive. Did I bring it up in front of your mother? No, yeah. you didn't. I can't remember. I bring it up in front of my mother. But thankfully, you bring thankfully, up the fact that PS is thankfully my mother helped know that I'm not a lush. Determine whether or not there are security cameras on Galactica. PS is writing a story, and there's a part of the story I didn't particularly follow, so I suggested she add security cameras, like a scene where someone like watches something in the security camera, and then that would explain how they have the information that they have, because I wasn't buying it otherwise. Then I'm reading the rest of her story. I'm like, you know what? This scene will not work with security cameras, because they would just look at the thing and figure the whole thing out. So I've destroyed PS's story. Death Roll, do you know what he didn't like? What didn't he like? He didn't like Bill's escape plan. Really? Well, well, I loved it. I thought it was great. My thought with Bill's escape plan is Bill gives Saul the gun. Are we going to spoil everybody else for PS's story? Yes. Bill (laughs) gives Saul the gun and says, I'm your hostage. A, why did everyone assume that Bill must have been a hostage and not assume they just went together? And B, why would Bill make it... What the hell is that? Matt, you alright? It, uh, 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 <laughs> it came across like Bill was trying to protect his own career. If they catch us, they'll think I'm just the hostage. My question my was, question. oh, I'm I'm hearing my own echo, and now I know why the rest of you complain all the time when I speak. Okay. I don't think you know half of it. Oh, I, li- I listen to the damn show. I'm not like those podcasters who get obsessed about gold who don't listen to the podcast. Can you spell your wife's name? <laughs> K-A-T-I-E. Is her name actually Katie, or is Katie her nickname? Nickname. Is her name Catherine? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I got this. K-A. T-H-R-I-N-E. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Catherine. K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. How does your wife spell her name? I'm pretty sure it's K-A-T-H-R-I-N-E. How does your wife spell her name? I need to consult the marriage license, please. Do a Sarah Palin. Write it on your Brian, can you do me a favor? What's that? Like, a real solid favor? Can you call Chi? You need a solid? Hold on. I need a solid. Just call Chi. You need a solid favor? You know what? what? I almost had it. K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. That's what I thought. She just randomly IM'd me with, I really want a podcast tonight. I think you need to pull her in. Has she ever heard of that no <laughs> is she drunk <laughs> let's ask her she? <laughs> is she in here well, i've seen the first season of babylon 5 we're starting the second tonight did you see the second uh, one episode <laughs> if i have time i'll start watching it but things are just crazy for me right now you're learning your wife's name and you're jogging i mean you've got a tennis <laughs> shit going on i will admit I'm, I'm telling the story in front of my wife right now my first girlfriend when i was 14 years old i actually dated her for six weeks did not know her first name <laughs> 
everyone called her Casey. So I thought her name was Casey, but her last name started with the letter C and her name was Caitlin and she went by her initials KC. Fun fact. Hello? I deliver. Am I a good friend or what? She, I didn't know there was actually a podcast going on tonight. I was just like she, having unfortunately, a sort of craving. She, uh, to, to podcast, you must name at least one character on Babylon 5. Hold on, let me pull up You Google. can't wiki it. Chat's <laughs> <laughs> meeting. The only time I ever watched Babylon 5, I was drunk. Are you drunk <laughs> now? This was a question. Who asked that question? Oh, that would God. be death roll. Can you tell me who I am? Skype has this fancy little thing where when you talk, your name flashes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, hi, Matt. <laughs> she, spell your given first name. K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. Matt, no preparation time. Spell your wife's first name now. Is there a Q in there? Matt, you have a job tonight. Steal your wife's driver's license. And just keep <laughs> Dr. Stephen Franklin. I found a character's name. Can I say, say hi? Sure. No. I outrank <laughs> Catherine the second. So I'm just right. being argumentative. Jeez. Do, do I outrank her? I've been around longer, I'm pretty sure. You outrank Catherine the second. Catherine the second is actually she was the newbie for like a week and a half, and then Cog is now the new 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 newbie. The newbie. You're like the guy who started Wednesday, now you're a department head. I was there at the dawn of the second season of the Puffer Exchange. It was a port of call for fans from a hundred fandoms. It could be a dangerous place, but we accepted the risk because the Puffer Exchange was our last best hope for conversation. This is our story. Back to the Pope Exchange. This is Ryan. This is Death. Keep going, keep going, keep going. This is Catherine. The second. Keep going. Anyone else? Anyone else named Catherine? Show of hands. Anyone named Catherine? Oh, hi. Chi here. L- Lady Chi. She wants a podcast, has no earthly idea what Babylon 5 is even about. She keeps screaming Dr. Stephen Franklin. <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Takashima. I love that sound. <laughs> Twenty-five. Okay, you can't do that. You're not. A- if I can't do that, you certainly can't do that. And Matt's here too. Yay! Matt is back because we got to jump into tonight's episode. Some, some quick fun facts. Uh, Matt's wife's name is Catherine. He doesn't know how to spell it. Working on it. He jogs a lot. <laughs> Catherine over here, she's growling again, so it seems like episode 26, but she's snorting, so that's a good sign. We're going to follow up on that, see what's going on. Deathrill is recording intros now. You probably just heard it. And Chi, what's going on? This is our Where Are They Now segment. Uh, school started this week on Monday. I have been petitioning the university to get financial aid, and so that is coming to a head tomorrow. Uh-huh. It's looking like the government could think that I'm worth money. Money, so I'm pretty excited about that. Now, are you in denial um, over the fact that you eventually have to pay this back? No, Obama's going to fix that, didn't you hear? You Actually, know, you evil socialists, you're going to fix my loan. Luckily, Sarah Palin's on it. Uh, who, <laughs> who Don't even it, get me started. Who was it that just growled? Was that Catherine II? It was. I didn't make a single noise. That was like a news show where we were the little lines on the bottom and Lady Chi got the headline. <laughs> We get one sentence, she gets a 30-second tirade. Yeah, I want a sentence, Ryan. What would you like, little one over in the corner? This is P.S. She used to be in the Merchant Marine. P.S. She's, <laughs> she's a former Merchant Marine, and her entire life is consumed by security camera footage at the moment. She used to be a murder suspect. I was never... Murdered her roommate in college. It was very tragic. You know, the I was she, never she once accidentally things. joined the Navy. 
and they laugh. I hate it when that wait. happens. It's like when you catch a small fish and you throw it back. They got PS. Like, what do we do with it? They threw it back. Wait, wait. When was that? Accidentally <laughs> joining the Navy. It was your own admission. I think I saw a screen capture that Ryan sent around, and that was your Skype message at the time. Okay. I was looking stuff up. The reason um, P.S. is out of it, she's drunk. Matt's trying to leave because he has to memorize oh, hey. No, I was going to say, I'm going like to go ahead and make my way out, but first couple things, I'll be checking in every couple of weeks. Uh, if you do any more shows, I'm willing to come on any of them that I know. Oh, I think we're going to do a few more of these before we wrap up. Yeah. No, okay. this is the last one. We're never, <laughs> ever going <laughs> I'll start. I'll start catching up. And second, watch out for giant Russian hitmen who say Hadvig. Hedvig. 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 Hedvig, and watch out for cows in the road, uh, road, and I'll be in Tennessee. So I thought you lived in Washington. No. I thought you were already in Tennessee. So, did you move to the West Coast? Uh, no, actually. But you were going to. I'm not lying. Yes, I was going to. Oh, thank God. Okay, I thought I was having a stroke. All right, so you live in Tennessee. <laughs> you're jogging. People shouldn't hit you with their cars. And <laughs> Your assignment you know, tonight is learn how to spell your life. this isn't like the Babylon 5 sequel. Like, Perfect Weekly sequel might last a couple seasons. It's not like we're going to get canned after the first 13 episodes. We'll be here, and we'll definitely have you back on. Really quickly, I was jogging the other day by the high school that I used to go to, and a car came down the road and went into the salon right across from the high school. Mm-hmm. Got, like, 10 people. They all went to the hospital. I went over there and had to give a police statement. It drove into the salon? Well, yes. It, no, it was driving up the road way too fast. This van, guy lost control, hit the back of a truck. It flew out, took the poles that were holding up. It was like a shopping mall kind of thing. And you know how they have a little walkway uh-huh. that's outside? Yeah. It took out the pole that was holding up the walkway, so it collapsed. And the 10 people who were sitting over by the windows all went to the hospital. There was no way you said that during the first time you told the story. Because all I heard was I was jogging by the high school, a car came by, went to the beauty salon, 10 people in the car. I'm like, Whoa. You made it sound like it went in to get its hair done. Or no, it's like, I didn't even hear that. I thought the story was there were 10 people in the car. I'm like, that's the most boring story ever. Minivan parks near local high school. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, was it a, like a mini Cooper? Like, okay. Oh, look, a PS is excited. Look at that. I'm like, Fox News, I don't know if you actually understand anything, but I will tell it how I want to. <laughs> I love you, man. I've missed you. I have. Oh, did you, have you been watching the Colbert Report and the uh, Daily Show lately? The Daily Show? No, I haven't, I haven't. I have not seen either lately. She's not drunk okay. at all. Not at all. No, I'm Look, seriously, I am sober as a nun right hey, now. Um, this is oh, when I we need to keep cheese so that people won't accuse me of being drunk. Okay, that's P.S. Here's the thing: you know how sometimes people, when they feel like they've gained a little weight, they want to wear like very, very, very large clothes because they think that'll make them look like they've lost weight. When you're accused of being drunk, thinking I'll just stand with the drunk people and no one will ever notice me, <laughs> that is not a good solution. <laughs> when would I get drunk? All right. The, the fact that she's enunciating her case. All right, Chi, name one character on Babylon 5. Dr. Stephen Franklin. Did I get that I, right? I'm very, I'm very amused. In fact, I'm hearing an echo in, the, in my ears is, is absolutely not annoying me at all. So with that, who is doing that? Not me. All right. I don't hear anything. All right. Chi, watch 27 episodes of Babylon 5. We'll have you back. Okay, uh, sounds like fun. It is. It's tons of fun. It's tons of fun. It's lots of like head bones and stuff. It's amazing. That did not sound sarcastic at all. Who said that? Was that re- death roll? Well, I wasn't paying attention to my fancy, flashy program. <laughs> it really is lots of fun. We are having uh, so much fun. She on- does not enough. Why do you think I'm drunk and or falling asleep every time you talk? You sound, because you sound like me drunk. when I'm drunk. Oh, gee, we've had you on the show before. No, there I'm is just- evidence. <laughs> I am just, you know, just because I drawl doesn't mean that I'm drunk. She, the second smuck-giving episode. (laughs) 
Oh God, I was so drunk. It was funny. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. <laughs> good night. Bye. Bye. Matt will talk to you later, right? Ryan gave me homework. Bye bye. <laughs> I'm going to go read a driver's license. He is in so much trouble right now. We expect right. a full report in the morning. We do. All right. That was interesting. So now that she is gone, P.S. is the uh, drunk one in the building yet again. <laughs> yes. What was that? I just blew your raspberry. Oh, thank God. All right. Uh, just pulling up my lurker's guide. First one. Oh, this is the purple green episode. Yes. I purple, love that one. Green. Purple green. Green. Yes. That's all yes, I we think get we to should discuss that. In this episode, I believe all we should discuss is purple green, purple green, purple green. I think we've covered it. <laughs> all right. I don't think we have because I just think there was so much more excitement. The fact that Claudia Christian broke her foot and they had to work it into the script. I thought that's it was just, great. That's just awesome. Okay. Her first what? attempt at diplomacy fails miserably. Yeah. And she has to try and do diplomacy now because that's what happens when you get promoted. Now, does anyone else think in these first batch of episodes, like with Sinclair and with Ivanova in season one, Sinclair ran the station and Ivanova directed traffic. That was basically what I what I guessed was happening in, in season one. As season two began, I noticed that our new captain, Captain John Sheridan, uh, he tends to uh, delegate every freaking thing he has to do to Ivanova. And then he just walks around eating oranges. Mm-hmm. I think like, Ivanova should get promoted to his job because he's not doing it. I, I honestly <laughs> feel like he's like the inspirational leader who like comes in at 11 and leaves at 3 every day and just like walks around. Good job, Smith. And like that's what he does. And Ivanova, You're doing a heck of a job, Brownie. Exactly. <laughs> And that worked out fine for him, I thought. But it, like, I, I feel that in these first batch of episodes. The other thing which I think was really funny is it's on one of the director's commentaries or one of the uh, cast commentaries of one of the episodes. They're Josh and I with Bruce Boxleitner about how he's just always smiling in his first batch of episodes. And Wait, who is Bruce? Bruce Boxleitner is Captain Sheridan. Sheridan. Oh, okay. Okay. But she's a little drunk, folks. So Shut Bruce, up. They were joking around with Bruce Boxleitner that he's just always smiling during every episode. And he's like, you know what? I think that was vitamin C overload because they kept shoving oranges at me in this first bat every episode you want an orange want some juice it's like he's been out a long time exactly he's been out on the rim for a number of years and he is very excited about the fact that he can have fresh (laughs) (laughs) he was he's excited about the shower and the orange juice that's in the first episode wouldn't you be i think so well i i've never had a sonic never had a sonic shower so i don't know so I, I've been excited to have a shower. Well, I am. I am pleased that you were pleased. No, no, no. Excited. Oh, you're excited. Well, I was. Well, it's not ongoing excitement. It was there, and then it kind of. When you haven't had a shower in a week, you get excited about showers. Not asking where you went for a week, dude. Your own business. North Korea. They had showers <laughs> in South Korea. Let's not. I was in North Korea for five minutes. <laughs> So where did you where did and you go I where they didn't left. have a shower? It was a marching band trip. Oh we got God. very very stinky. I wish Chi was still here. I believe Chi was in a marching band of some kind. Rena wasn't. When you said, band. I thought you were going to say Marchant Marie. <laughs> no, I can't see Chi driving down to Steamboat Way and trying to join up with the Virgin Marines. I just can't see that. If the financial aid doesn't go through, I think she'll have to. But I think we still have a chance. I don't think Chi's that much taller than I am. Yeah, I really can't see the two of you joining the Marines. Like if war broke out, I think like the enemy would really be hoping that you and she would join the Marines. It might be their only shot. I think I'm offended by that. I think you're probably should be 
because it was <laughs> it was it was very rude and I apologize greatly. All right, so first batch of episodes, we get points of departure, which is uh, Captain Orange Juice arrives at Babylon Five. <laughs> uh, we have <laughs> revelations where a uh, chick with real real nineties hair uh, records video for Captain Orange Juice. We have the geometry. I don't even know what you're talking about when you uh, say he's that. summarizing Anna the Sheridan. Anna Sheridan. Oh yeah. Uh, the geometry of shadows, known forever as purple green, purple green. One of the finest episodes of anything anywhere. Let's see if I can do this. A distant star, I believe, was the one with the ship lost in hyperspace. Yep. Okay. Good. Good. Now the thing I remember about that episode is um, they will ask JMS questions in the news groups and online, and, and the fans will write to him and what's up with this episode and this that the other thing and he'll write back sometimes oh you know i wasn't on the set that day and the reason you're confused by that was it shouldn't have happened that was very poorly done and one of the things i guess that was in the script was you know like explosion on bridge of whatever the name of the ship was it wasn't the cortez the the cortez you know there was an explosion there was some smoke you know like i think a guy walked over with a fire extinguisher and they put that sucker out but the the wire had snapped or whatever like like the, the flames were 14 feet high on the set like the, he was a little perturbed by that one uh the long dark is uh dr stephen franklin's love interest arrives in very very slow moving ship yep. as i recall i d- did not really actually i did enjoy that episode because there's a great star trek contrast in there a spider in the web was uh zach allen's first forgettable appearance which i didn't remember until i watched the episode and- who See? And so we got that going on. And um, Soulmates. Death Roll, do you have a comment on Soulmates? One word. Yes. Cramps. <laughs> well, there, was, there, there was cramps, and I believe there was famine, pestilence, and death. Death, yes. I, oh, I yes. Was- I was not in the episode, I promise. There you go. You're not um, you're not married to Londa. Oh, the name of this episode has to be Family and Pestilence and Death now. Come on. <laughs> Whoever's editing this, Wayne, write that down. I will um, make sure that I edit this one. There you go. Uh, and we have a race through dark places, which, which You didn't a, say you weren't married to Londo. I'm not married to Londo. <laughs> I think that would be absolutely hysterical. I think I would know. Maybe, maybe not. But I think I hmm. hmm. Last week we had the Fast and Zips comment, then that one. The <laughs> listeners of this podcast are consumed with this soap opera up there. It really, well, you know, other people are allowed to have scandalous affairs, Ryan, not just you. I have had affairs with half of the of the podcasters here at Pofua. I'm watching the door right now to see if my wife's head pokes out, glaring at me. <laughs> <laughs> so far, we're fine. She might not be able to hear me. Very nice. Uh, the big thing I have on a race through dark places is that we get to see Bester again. Yay! This is very exciting. I love it when uh, Walter Koenig guest stars. He he just pulls off the character of Al Bester so phenomenally. That and the stories that he's involved in are really good. They're juicy. Mm, this is true. Mm, like oranges. Just so everyone knows here, my original plan during these podcast was to watch up until when the podcast you know was ready to be recorded record my thoughts and then watch the next episode to not be confused that worked until my wife remembered she's sexually attracted to a character in the third season so we had to watch every episode to get to the third season then we had to watch the third season three times and now we're on season four so i actually thought i, I confused two episodes i thought all along in the night from next week was a race through dark places so i do enjoy bester very much obviously we have the coming of shadows which won a hugo award to be ever figure this out in the beat star that's trek. what you told me i believe it won a hugo award and beat star trek first contact i don't remember if the series wins one next year as well in the third season and we have okay. reindeer in the room 
Okay, yeah, I, I'm not doing anything to cause the reindeer. I assume that it must be a fact that I'm using Skype over 3G. I'm just so impressed that you're using such technical terms as Skype over 3G. Well, see, this, this program is called Skype, and the app is called Skype, and it, there's a little 3G written in the corner of Saul. So basically you had a uh, Cliff Helen, Notes. Uh, you know, Cliff Note right in your hand there. It says AT&T 3G, 8.38 p.m. Well, thank you for reading the time as well. That was very helpful. <laughs> I was a little confused there. I'm surprised she wasn't like the man hooked up the thingy and it's it, it works with the great. stuff with the stuff in the thingy. So no, 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 nobody had to hook Saul up. He came out of a box. <laughs> Mommy, where did babies come from? He came out of a box. <laughs> I went to the store and I told the lady I wanted an iPhone. And she went uh, in the back, oh, no. and she brought me a box, and inside of the box was Saul, and I took him out of the box, and there he was. P.S. Yeah. That's also how babies are born. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Your mom went to the <laughs> store, and they brought out a little box, and there was your brother Jimmy. That's not how My dad always said my sister was special. Because when, when people say, if you're not good, I'm going to return you to the store, it means I'm going to return you to Apple, and Steve Jobs is going to turn you into an iPhone more. It's really what is the unseen no. threat there. No, no, I, I, I'm not. She's like, no, no, no. Yes, really? which is actually my comment on next week's A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. That's oh, not, dear. That's actually a month ago, Ryan. Oh, you completists out there who listen to every episode of the Pofo Exchange who are eagerly awaiting my return to the A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I have now read up to the point from the first episode. So moving Yay. into episode three, I'm, I'm chugging along. And then I'm putting it down and I'm reading PS's Saul Typhic and I'm picking it up and I'm going to Babylon 5. I am so confused about what is happening where I can't even stress how confused I'm getting. You could ju- you guess you could just watch the security camera footage to refresh your memory. That was a- okay. Didn't you get excited when I brought up the security? Camera I did footage? get excited, and I realized it doesn't work because then they would solve the crime because the murder would be on the security camera footage. But you told me there were actually security cameras. Your mother found DNA evidence of security cameras. I know my mother. I, my mother. I don't, I'm gonna not do it. Okay. My mother. It can be like. Did you let your mother? read your slash fic? No, because Ryan, over there, Ryan called me about it when we were driving <laughs> in the car. And I, bitch. <laughs> I had to I had to ask for a second opinion and she was right there. But she hasn't read the fic. No. Oh thank God. Your face would turn bright red. Probably. Hopefully she doesn't Google you, which is very possible. Alright, so, and it could happen at any time. Could happen right now. She could be right now Googling you. Spooky. No, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Really? Okay. So, oh, and uh, Cog will be joining us shortly. I saw her come online, so I figured it was all about us. She's actually talking to her husband in the rack, so I figured she should go do that. Mm, yes, very important. So he must be one of the 50,000 non-combat troops, which is very good. Yeah, he's the, actually, he's a doctor. Oh, is he really? I think, I think so. I'm dating the podcast, because by the time this thing actually comes out, like, Iraq will have not had troops in it for years. <laughs> fun, fun fact, everybody. Catherine with a K. How far have you walked? I together. did my homework. I finished the uh, first nine episodes this season. Did you, okay, so you're up to Coming of Shadows. You use the titles. This confuzzles Okay, me. you're up to the episode. I can't remember the numbers. Hold on a sec. I have the DVD collection. Narn I, Declares War. Yes, I saw that.
that episode. Okay, but you not sound like next. a newspaper. Narn, Narn declares, declares war. Find out against who on page seven. Well, it could be anybody. It, could, it really could be. Find out who they yeah. declare war. Everybody. Narn declares war on everybody. Everyone else rolls eyes. All right. So in the first few minutes of this, we discussed last week that Sinclair has been recalled. He's been appointed ambassador to Minbar. He's the first human to be allowed to stay on Minbar permanently. It's very interesting. Ivanov is in charge. He's going out of her mind. And there's this wonderful scene where she yells at all these ambassadors in the elevator. And it just calls to mind, Ivanova is God. Ivanova is God. And she turns around and they're all like backing away. Do I make myself absolutely crystal clear? Yeah. And they're all very scared. Now, my question for you is, was it your understanding that the Mimbari at this point requested Sinclair and that was reason for the transfer? Or do you think Clark moved into his office and kind of fluffed up the pillow cushions and wanted a more hard-ass captain on Babylon 5? I thought the Mimbari requested him. So I think he is a reincarnation of the Mimbari guy. Okay, you know what? You made this prediction, but then you named four guys, and you couldn't remember which one you made. I think he's the one that they keep talking about, the, the real special one. Do you think Sinclair... Like, timing doesn't work out in his birth. For who? Who do you think he is? No, the guy a thousand years ago. You think he's Valen? Yes. Now, do you think he's Valen Valen, or do you think he's the soul of Valen, or do you think... Yeah, well, it's, it's a soul. It's a reincarnation. I mean, he can't be Valen. He's Jeff. Okay, so Jeff is not Valen, but Valen died, and his soul eventually was... Because that's what... Down. I mean, I get the impression that the thing is, it's like you die and your soul goes off, but it's your soul. I mean, they could tell, or possibly tell, that it's Valen's soul. This might not mean anything to you, but do you think it's kind of like a Star Trek trill? Like, Valen dies, his soul goes into Bob Minbari. By the way, 15 years been a fan of the show. I thought it was Mimbari, Mim, M-I-M, all this time. It's no, Min-bari. it's Minbari. Yeah. Minbari. 15 Min-bari. years, I've been pronouncing it wrong. It's like the time I wore my shirt inside out to work and no one corrected me. It's very embarrassing. You thought, <laughs> so you we thought, thought you were setting a fashion trend. So then Bob Hufflepuff takes the soul of Valen, and Bob Hufflepuff likes to jet ski. So now Valen's soul has jet skiing experience. Then, then Bob Minbari dies, and the next guy gets it and then eventually it works its way to Sinclair is that what I'm not I'm not 100% I mean I'm not I haven't thought about it as much as the whole jet ski thing I think it's like I mean I think I mean if I had to think about it that deep I would think he wouldn't be able to remember it but it would still be basically him and I don't want to be, I don't want to say a BSG spoiler, but I think it's kind of like the thing that gets it, the people that get introduced near the end. Okay, I know what you mean. And right. it's like that kind of thing, where it's like, it's not like he really remembers, but it's like reincarnation-ish. Now, why do you think that? Just out of curiosity, you picked Because he's not Valen. I mean, he's Jeff. I mean, he's not, no, you know, he's why, not doing Valen stuff. Why are you assuming he's a reincarnation of anybody? Because they freaked the frack out when they found out he was in Mimbari. So I assume he must be a special one. Or he had the soul. And the plot line from the first episode is that Minbari's souls are being born into human bodies. And like the reindeer running around PS right now, uh, <laughs> Sinclair's, you know, when he's... Oh my god, where are these flipping reindeer coming it's like, from? It's like the shadows. They're all around you. Can they go away? Can we make them go away? I want the reindeer to go away. I, I, I would like to introduce you uh, to the blooper reel of tonight's episode. Um, welcome, PS. What the hell? 
Because last time you thought he was Valen, you also thought he was the dead Mimbari war leader from the first season. Which is, isn't that Valen? No. Okay, this is why you're confusing me. All right. A thousand... How many Valens <laughs> right. are, are there? Just for the, just for the sake of, of making this easier. Valen is like Jesus, as war leader is like Winston Churchill. One very okay. old, very famous. One not so old, not so famous, but still good. Okay, I think Jeff <laughs> is Jesus. Okay, Jeff is Jesus who likes to jet ski. <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, like, okay, because what I just think is, like, so Do this, not so- blaspheme. <laughs> I just turned off every Christian south of, like... Do like, not blaspheme. Right. Okay, so if Vader... Wait, he's not Vader. No, he's not Vader. Wow. <laughs> okay. Valen yes. is I'm picturing a him special... in a helmet breathing very, very deeply. <laughs> All right, so Valen with asthma who enjoys jet skiing. Yeah. No, see, when you say jet skiing, you make it sound like it could be like a, it's this soul, right? Basically, here's what it is. Uh-huh. It's like a secondhand jacket. And I'm Valen... so glad we are podcasting this evening. I will remember this when I'm old and senile. <laughs> All right. So Valen owned this awesome leather jacket, uh-huh. right? So, so Valen is fun. And all right. he he wore it all around Mimbari land. Mimbari, but whatever. All right. Minbar. And he died. And then when he died, they sold his jacket to Goodwill. Uh-huh. And Hold on, they, they charged Goodwill for Valen's jacket. <laughs> they gave it to Goodwill. All right. And then Bob Hufflepuff comes to Goodwill and decides he's going to buy this awesome leather jacket. But it has it has Valen's bus pass in the pocket. And he's like, uh-huh. oh, okay, this is, used to belong to Valen. And then Bob Valen didn't have his own car. Valen, Valen gives it back to Goodwill. I mean, <laughs> Bob Hufflepuff Bob gives it back to Goodwill. And Jeff buys it. And it has... Valen's bus pass in the pocket, but it's like the Seinfeld uh-huh. episode with the with the, the the dry cleaning ticket. So it's it's all bleeding. It's all gone. It's it's just a piece of paper. So he didn't know what ask, it says. I have to ask because the one thing that just grabs my mind is that Valen and Jeff shop at the same Salvation Army. Maybe it wound up at a different one. The point is, so then Jeff has this old leather jacket yeah. with this this you know ticket in the pocket he can't read. And he goes off to war and he's about to crash his, it's not a Viper, but I don't care, his Viper into the Mimbari ship. And they're like, holy crap, Valen's dry cleaning tickets in the pocket. <laughs> he has Valen's jacket. He wants to be special. We, we have to take him back to Mimbar and make him our ambassador. All right. When the Soul Hunter episodes came out, JMS was asked a question from a Star Trek fan. They thanked him for making the soul deep and spiritual and not like on Star Trek where, where Spock's Katra from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock was treated like a pair of lost sunglasses. So it's good to know <laughs> that we have turned the soul of Valen, you know, the most min- Mimbari dude ever into an ancient bus pass lost at Goodwill over and over. And over. It wasn't. I was, I was trying to make it sound good. I was thinking it was a, a nice leather jacket. Is leather leather not good enough? How about suede? We lost all the PETA people. All right, we lost the PETA people. Okay, so let me ask you this. So you don't think the soul is part of a person. You think it's kind of like a a used... An accessory. Pleather jackets. (laughs) Pleather? Cheap souls. Denim? 
Jeff is wearing a de- that is so nineties. All right. So your prediction is that the the Jeff I have a denim jacket. Oh, I'm so sorry. I did, well I wore denim in the nineties. Maybe it's back. I, okay, today I wore a black belt with brown shoes because I couldn't see when I got dressed this morning. So I'm the last to criticize. All right. So you think that we will eventually find out during the series that the Jeff has the soul passed down by Valen and Bob. Yeah. Minbari. So I don't I don't necessarily believe in Bob Minbari. All right, so you think it was Valen to Jeff direct or do you think there were some people in the middle? Um, I haven't decided yet. It's possible, but I don't see how it's really relevant unless the person that stopped to in the middle was somebody important. Okay. Like Jaquar or something maybe. Ooh, what is Jaquar? it? Jaquar? Okay, that was Jaquar visits Baltimore. Was that <laughs> Were you going for Jaquan or was that Jaquan? Yeah, the Jesus of the the, the, the Jesus. 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 All right. All right. So, so Jakar is the love child between himself and Jesus. So he is his own butt child. And oh my God. People right now listening to this have listened to Popo. I have no idea where the hell we're going. All right. Now we have to stress. I'm here and I have no idea where we're going. Right, moving this on. is turning into a horrible loss. Just moving on. Okay. Okay. Jakar. Oh, All right. P.S. Drink in the corner. We'll get right back to you. All right. All right. Okay. So, okay. P.S. Jaquan, Jaquan, Jaquan. All right, P.S., just talk to the plant. I'll be right back. All right. Jaquan. All right. Maybe I'm saying, I'm, I'm listing people it could have been. Okay. Jaquan. P.S., we're going to put you on hold just a second. All right, so. He did it. He actually did it. Oh, she hung up. <laughs> oh, my God. It's bad when I'm not allowed to monologue. And I, I think she dropped the phone. Let's keep an eye out for P.S. All right, so. Obviously, season one ends, Jeff and, and Catherine with a C getting hitched. Season two starts, not so much Jeff. And obviously, what happened was behind the scenes, they they made some changes to the series. They wanted to add two characters, one being John Sheridan in the network, wanted uh, Keffer, the, the uh, Star Fury pilot, um, which is... Okay, now P.S. is screaming, oh, the words coming out of P.S.'s mouth right now, which stunned... Are they intelligent? There's lots of question marks available. Hold on. P.S.? What was that? We, Why did you hang up on me? I, you actually hung up on us, dear. All right. The season begins, and uh, Michael O'Hare leaves the show. It was a very amicable... Amicable? Is that a word? Yes. Amicable. Amicable. Yes, it is. Yeah, amicable, amicable. It was a very. It was a very amicable... It wasn't a divorce. It was a split. Uh, he uh, he will come back to the show. You actually see him in Coming of Shadows. Basically. Yes, when he sent him... P.S. Is your head actually in a bag of chips right now? <laughs> no. All right, just wondering. So he'll he'll obviously be back, and as death can back me up, there are cast changes on the show that were very tense and a lot of bad blood and whatnot. This was definitely not one of them. Originally, when the when the plot was put together, Sinclair had this huge giant plot arc that was... Mary Sue. Okay, Gary Stew. When Gary... you say Mary Sue, I picture him in pigtails and well, a little skirt. Well, you do that. It was so difficult to write for him because if you have a character who has very little baggage and can just go into a scene and kind of react with the characters around him, he's fun to write for. Sinclair, because there was so much foreshadowing in so, in so many different areas the character had to go in, there was little margin for error. So actually, in the first few episodes of season two, JMS even stated he had very little for Jeff to do because 
he just wasn't needed yet. So he was very difficult to write for. And what eventually he did was he created the character of Sheridan, who obviously takes over as the lead of the show in this episode. And he gave Sheridan a huge chunk of Jeff's plot arc and really divided it into two. And it doesn't feel like Sinclair part two. And it doesn't feel like when you see the whole story that Jeff lost a lot, it takes a lot of baggage off Jeff and lets Jeff really shine and lets his character come to fruition. And, gives Sheridan a lot to do too that I think he does better than Jeff could have the character because I just think it makes sense to have a new guy there so you don't have to like morph this background onto Jeff that maybe didn't exist before. There are some scenes, obviously the first episode you have Lanier sit everyone down and explain the Battle of the Line. I'm sure if that was Jeff still there, it would have come out much differently and probably better than just having a bunch of talking heads sit around a conference table and explain what happened. And the other was uh, the loss of John Sheridan's wife I'm fairly sure was meant to be Catherine Sakai. The fact that they both were working in the field and they, you know, one an archaeologist and, and one. But she, didn't she die a long time ago? I mean, Catherine would have died on screen. Catherine, in the first season, uh, she almost crashes on Sigma 957, I believe was the planet, mm-hmm. and the, the Narn fighters save her. I believe yeah. what you would have seen in the second season was. Oh, if Jeff was staying, she'd have died. If Catherine was staying, she would have been the one to disappear, and it would have been Catherine, it would have been someone that the audience knew who was lost instead it's this woman with bad 90s hair on a, on a monitor who we lose and it's Sheridan reacting to the loss of his wife and we really don't know him yet either so it, mm-hmm. it probably doesn't mean as much but that's one of the little seams where I think that you would have seen Jeff probably get darker in his characterization because he would have been dealing with the loss of Catherine and now he doesn't have to go that route, so it kind of frees yeah, up. She character. sort of up and goes away. You'll never see Catherine again. Uh, the actress doesn't return to the show. She's in the books. She's in at least one of the books, and you, from reading it, will find out what happens to the character and what is told in the books is actually confirmed in a much later episode in passing. Sheridan has another name. The Minbari call him Starkiller. Starkiller. And he was the only one during the war who actually managed to achieve any sort of victories. The Black Star was the flagship of the Minbari fleet, and he rigged some fusion bombs in an asteroid field, used a fake distress signal. How would they fake the distress signal? I'm not quite sure, but they did that and they blew the fusion bombs and blew out uh, a whole bunch of ships. And Mimbari are rather upset about that. Well, the thing about the Mimbari, too, is they kicked the ass of the humans in every single battle but one, and they're pissed about that one time. They yes, lost. they are. It's like, come on, guy. <laughs> not like we're pissed you killed millions of us. You're pissed because we actually beat you in a fight. How dare we? And the fact that he is known as Star Killer, it's foreshadowing for something to come. We go from the Mimbari's favorite captain of Babylon 5 ever. To their most hated, and I love the line he has in the beginning. With all due respect, sir, the last time I got personally involved with a Mimbari ship, I sent it straight to hell. (laughs) And he says it with... And I, and I love Mike O'Hare, but he says it with with genuine emotion. Like I enjoy the fact that Sheridan has humor and has aggravation. He he, he has a, a much greater range, I think, than Michael O'Hare had. He does. It's it's the smile and it's the aw hell. And obviously, he's growing on me. I gotta say. I mean, at first, I mean, I still really miss Jeff. I much preferred Jeff, but Sheridan is growing on me. Well, Mike I prefer to Sheridan to, to yeah. Sinclair. When Mike was here, he referred to him as that Sheridan bastard, which I'm still not sure why. But Oh, my goodness. Oh, you mean Mike, Mike not Michael Garibaldi? No, my, our, our Mike, or former Mike. <laughs> our former Mike. Our former Mike, who is our sort former of our current Mike, Mike because of the, the, season, the season finale of... Uh, 
Fufu Exchange first season. Mike randomly reappears. We don't have a Mike anymore, except for Garibaldi. Yes, Mike Garibaldi can be the new Mike. Who misses Jeff. Who misses Jeff, and he misses him so much, one-fifth of his hair fell out. Yes. Jerry Doyle, (laughs) by the way, when asked by fans his favorite episode, points to Points of Departure, the second season premiere, because he laid on his back, didn't move, and got full pay. Nice. That was very sad when he woke up and found out Jeff was gone. Well, it's played well, too, because I'm your new CEO. I'm John Sheridan, and his exact response is, I don't know you. Because if it's Star Trek, hey, new captain, you want some coffee? And the fact that he doesn't bond immediately with Sheridan shows that he was loyal to Jeff, and that's how people are. You don't trust the new guy, because God knows who Mm -hmm. they are. Susan Ivanova served under Sheridan at IO, Mm -hmm. and he is being brought up to speed by her, and she says that, and Ambassador Dillon is in a cocoon. A cocoon? Yes, sir. About yay high. <laughs> well, I love Londo when he's. It's either in this episode. Or it the, is. It's in this one. Or I think it might be the start of the next episode. He's pissed because I believe Kosh is there, Sheridan's there, Londo's there, and there, we have no Jakar and we have no Delend, and he demands their government send replacements and is chastising yeah. them. And Ambassador Delend is indisposed. She's in the cocoon. Yes. <laughs> she. I told you she was indisposed. Exactly. She's in a cocoon. That was much better than the, just, than the level. No. Hey! It's, it's getting, well, for her condition and, you know, level of alcohol. What yes. condition? Nothing at all. There. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> Episode <laughs> 2, nothing. Revelations. Well, uh, just, what I want to know is well, how many times has Ryan accused me of being drunk when I wasn't? How many times has Ryan accused you of being drunk when you were a more interesting figure? The plot of the episode is the Mimbari. Oh, yeah, the Trigati. We sort of forgot all of that. Yeah, we forgot the Trigati. The Trigati uh, has been hiding out in hyperspace and elsewhere for 10 years uh, since the war ended. And their entire goal was to reignite the uh, Earth Mimbari War. And they're basically taken up by the Mimbari, who still, even after saying, say, we mourn for them, you know, Star Killer. We, you know, you should never have been put on this place. So there's a lot. The fact that the Mimbari are against Sheridan is not a good thing. Yeah, it'll play. It'll, it'll certainly play. And now, did anyone get spoiled as to Delenn's transformation by the DVDs? My father put it in and started the thing for me, and we chapter-skipped the opening. Very good, mm-hmm. very good. Well, I hate when they do that. They do that again in the episode Divided Loyalties. I mean, of course, he got spoiled, but he doesn't know what's going on. So that, that was the only episode he watched, the two where we had to skip the chapter-skip. Chapter-skip <laughs> the opening. He must have been so confused. <laughs> the hell? He, no, I, think really he liked, I think he liked it. Susan recaps it for you. Well, I'm noticing as it goes on, Susan or someone else will in one sentence with 48 words in it recap the last episode for you. Just an ordinary conversation. I'm like, well, it's because they don't have previously on Battle, 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 Babel, Babylon, Babylon, no idea what she's doing. Let's get Chi back in here. She knew Franklin's name. Yay. <laughs> I know Franklin. I know all their names. Do you want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> I like the snorther. She's growing on me. I was conf- I was concerned in our first episode. Let's see, see look at that. Look at that. All right. Now that we've I'm had so the glad snor- I can amuse you. I'm so, I am pleased that you are pleased. We get a visit from Elizabeth Sheridan, Johnny's sister. We do. And that made me mad. Why did it make you mad? Just the fact that it was Johnny and Lizzie, and it was just too cute. <laughs> I like cute things. Cute things make me want to 
hurt things. Well, obviously, the- kick puppies. One of the issues- not kick puppies. I'm not kicking Rusty, and you know it. What's the last time you beat your wife? I don't know. It doesn't work out well. I mean, one of the things, obviously, in the episode was there was definitely the scene there because we don't know John, and we don't know Anna, and we don't know any of the players, and we're mourning the loss of someone. Yeah, this was meaningful. Meaning, sorry, exactly the opposite of meaningful. It was meaningless to me. Now, if it were- I, don't think, I think it did let you in on Sheridan's character. I mean, it was a bit awkward. You know, you just met this guy, and oh, his wife died. I'm sorry. But it does give you uh you know not just he was married but he's always been a workaholic he's always been very dedicated to whatever post he is assigned and so you kind of get that lens to see how he's going to react as the commanding officer of babylon 5 and the fact that he has you know this sad history to him okay that gives him another dimension small dimension we don't know him but it, it does help help you be able to relate to him a bit better instead of just, I'm the new captain, have some coffee. Well, he's been smiling for the first episode, so it's nice to know he's actually endured some loss. I mean, even in the first two episodes, you find out that he's Starkiller, that he's this hated, you know, figure amongst the Mimbari for the fact that he won the only victory in the the Earth Mimbari War for the the humans. The second episode, you find out he's a widower, and he has, you know, his wife went out one day and never came back. And, I mean, these are important things to get for his character, and they really inform his future and the show's future. I mean, it's very vital stuff. Mm-hmm. Would it have been better if it were Jeff still on the show? Well, yeah, I'm sure if we got 26 episodes of foreshadowing, it would have meant more than if you just get one episode. But you know what? Hearing about it in one episode and in and, and the way Bruce Boxleitner plays the scene when he views the video, I mean, it's very, very well done. And Boxleitner just has just, he's more than every once in a while, but he has such great range. And he's such a good addition to the show that it, mm-hmm. he makes up. For, if it were Jeff, if it were Mike O'Hare, I don't know if he could have pulled the scene off as well. He would have thrown things. Mike O'Hara had to throw things, I think. He would have gone very, very upset. I want a cup of coffee and throw them on. <laughs> <laughs> I need another beer. Oh, Zima. No, because the deal was they got the product placement from Zima. So beer went away. No more beer. Zima no, lived on. not beer. And they had one Zima sign. They moved it everywhere. They yep. moved that and they moved the oranges. It was the same oranges. And or- orange blossom. Orange blossom. Yes. Orange blossoms, which come into play in a later episode. A very, very important episode. Yes, it's very interesting. When you're not allowed to spoil it for the Why is it just assumed I will spoil? Because you do. <laughs> just the twice. Your your uh so your, have... your reputation precedes you. Yes, what's his mic like? Oh, that was a long time ago. That was that was when we were talking about Jeff in a skirt. <laughs> P.S. <what are> you, <laughs> P.S. Just you're playing Rinna this evening. What are you drinking now? I'm not drinking anything. You've had some cough medicine then. No, no. Kool-Aid. She's drinking Kool-Aid. No, I'm drinking nothing. Hold on, Mrs. Huggles is going to bed. Mrs. Huggles, you'll be joining us for season three when when you're sexually attracted to a character on the the cast. She's nodding her head in the affirmative. All right, we'll see you back in two hours. Who is this character? I have to know. You'll know him when you see him. And you'll see Danielle chasing him across the soundstage. They'll be fine. Can I, I tell you, to in, her old, in her old bedroom in the old house, she had a picture of, of this character on her wall. I was nowhere to be seen, but this character had. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Very nice. Okay, so we see Mr. Morden makes his reappearance. And I just, I wrote down one of his quotes. He says, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Which is very funny. And Londo says to him, why don't you eliminate the entire non-homeworld while you're at it? 
All in good time, Ambassador. And obviously we end <laughs> the episodes tonight with the Narn and the Centauri at war. And we mm-hmm. have the Centauri backed up by the Shadows. And even just one of the things is Londo answered the question back in Science Importance. What do you want? Mm-hmm. And many people were asked that question. Many people answered it. That was Londo's answer. And now Londo is at the point where, you know, why don't you eliminate an entire planet laughing? Because think back to the first episode of the show. The Centauri were the gift shop. He was trying to grab on to the, to the humans. Now all of a sudden, he's making comments, you know, why you eliminated an entire world for me? Well, we'll get to that when we get to that. And just yeah. the look of horror on his face. And he brought this on and he's stuck. And he knows it. And you really see that later. He's like, I've started something. I can't stop. I hate what I'm doing. But I have no choice. This is where I am. Oh, my God. And we talked about Empirific Weekly a lot. The stories where you spend 45 chapters getting characters to a certain point where they forgive each other and talk to each other. And if they just talked for 30 seconds in the first chapter of, of, of the fact, it would be over because that's all you need to do. And here you have, the, you know, even to jump ahead a little bit, coming in the shadows, you have Jakar and you have Londo, and Jakar brings Londo a drink because he's found that the Centauri Emperor has come here asking, on his, you know, deathbed asking for Jakar and the Narns, you know, forgiveness. forgiveness. He wants to apologize for everything that the Centauri did and the fact that they are damned races and he wants to try and, and, and fix things before he dies. And Jakar is so moved by that he wants to drink with, with Londo, the symbol of everything that has enslaved and tortured his world. And that's the moment where everything could have been fine mm-hmm. if Londo made a different choice. Yeah, I but commented on the fact that it's our choices that make us who we are. Yeah, It's so painful to watch, though, because you know it's not going to end well, and it so easily could have, and it's such a shame. And, and that thought is portrayed so well with Veer. Veer, he's, cent- yeah, he's a Centauri, not a Centauri. He's a Centauri, <laughs> but he's not, he's not touched by them, and he's not in it for the power, and he's, he's literally like a geeky human. With- he's an idealist. You know what? Veer just has bad hair. I'm not even convinced he's short. <laughs> but, like, the thing, it sticks up in the end. It's like, it's seriously, like, you could convince me the actor is at, Stephen First is actually Centauri, because that's how he got the role. Because he, he found out Centauri have hair up, so he tried to put ha- shampoo in his hair during the audition, and he got it in his eye, and his eye got all swollen, and he's walking down, and he trips over something, and he's trying to explain the whole thing, and JMS is like, stop, you're Veer. <laughs> and, and, he, and he gets and he gets the gig. All right, we're gonna add. Uh, Cog is uh, ready to talk Babylon Five. And she- I guess say Kosh. Kosh, <laughs> yes. yes. Kosh is the one who unfortunately um, has a bad dispute with the cast and has to leave the show. There was a contract dispute with the actor. All right, let's get Kosh. <laughs> I'm just calling Kosh. Her Kosh without- <laughs> See, Kosh would be fun to podcast with. <laughs> he would just. No, he wouldn't. Yes. He wouldn't say anything. I just love the fact that Kosh married Lita in real life. Because she saw him unfastened and unzipped. Hello? Cog, how you doing? I am fantastic. How I may you? have called you Kosh earlier in preparation for this. <laughs> he definitely did. I did. Oh, he definitely did. Oh, okay. So, so we're resuming with uh, adding uh, Cog or Kosh or whatever we want to call her back into the podcast. They are Vorlons. They can be male and female and still have the same name. It's fine. And I just <laughs> wanted to clarify, last week's episode, we, we, we answered the question, which I believe is on all of our minds, fasten, zip, or, vi- or zip, fasten. <laughs> And I believe I was a big fan of Zip Fasten. Yes. The next yes. day, I, 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 I was... You tried Fasten I was, Zip? No, I was in a position to have to do one or the other. 
and I found I actually do fasten zip. And I immediately contacted <laughs> Zethril, Zethril on the spot. On the spot, I contacted Zethril. I fastened zip. He wrote back, good boy, or whatever he wrote back. I don't know what it was. But we, we solved it. I am actually a fasten zip. See, I, did, I yeah, didn't realize say- that you had realized that you do it differently. I thought you were trying it for the sake of variety. No, no, it wasn't like, you know, let's have Chinese for dinner. No, it was... It was Ryan real- basically, he realized he lied to us. Well, it's... I don't really write it down Ryan. every time. You lied to me. Ryan lies constantly. I, I, all Ryan just lies to us. Not well. Jen got pregnant on a boat. In uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I remember that. <laughs> I'm just and picturing I'm somebody like stumbling onto this email conversation and and being very very confused and possibly disturbed all by right. the discussion. Cog, you know, you've seen the entire series. Um, we can't yes. back up, but we must go forward. But I will share with you very briefly P.S.'s prediction for... Oh, I want to hear it. All right. Uh, she predicted that uh, Sinclair has the soul of Valen passed down like a pleather jacket with a <laughs> fading bus pass in the pocket at the Minbari Salvation Army, which was once owned by a Minbari named Bob. I did not predict Bob. Ryan. Everything added Bob. else was was. <laughs> but everything else, the pleather jacket. Yes, and he actually, was all- actually, in my version, it was suede. She revised to suede oh, because, okay. and, and he sold it. The suede seems nicer. No, no, no. He died, and they they gave they gave it to Goodwill. Yeah, because when Jesus died, they gave away all of his stuff to the Goodwill. <laughs> what else are they going to do with it? Put it in a museum? Well, I don't think they had a Salvation Army when Jesus died. It's like the, I'm not talking about Jesus. It's like the Vicar of Dibley episode where they do the um the uh, salt tie. Yeah, it was it, they just school ties. No, it's the one where they do the reenactment in the end and Mary and Joseph and everyone. The was, passion. No, the passion was, of yeah, the Christ. Yes, it was the passion of the Christ. The the joke of the thing was they couldn't uh, get a room at the end because it. No, was, no, Brian, that's not the passion. That's that's the nativity. Th- there wasn't room in the end because everyone was in town because they were, they were celebrating the new millennium. Basically, like one of those things. And uh, no, it isn't. It's not like that at all it's exactly okay you're drunk and you're telling me what it's like cog how are you i'm good <laughs> this is his, his pattern he tells a lie and changes the subject so that i can't deny it <laughs> we'll write down that you deny it all right i need to grab some water so cog death Catherine, p.s drunk one in the corner take it my goodness jakar at one point says he, he's been investigating human literature and he quotes from yates second coming which i think which I is quoted what a few you weeks. read yeah, a few weeks ago on the podcast, book. which is great. It was I, I, that made me smile. And if you remember, a while back, in uh, the, there was a controversy about the Psycor endorsing Vice President Clark in the election, and that comes back into play in this episode. And it was something that didn't really go somewhere or anywhere originally. But as we've said before, it if it doesn't play in the episode, it'll play later on. There's there's not a lot of things that are introduced that don't really go anywhere, even if they don't continue to go in the direction they were intended and work as they were intended, they'll get changed around. Have we talked about how much better Londo's hair is in this season? Because not honestly, yet. I get to season two and I just, I almost applaud because all of a sudden everyone's hair is like nice and neat and yes. Well, I, first season. They have great, I, they have great hairdressers. I was actually watching an episode with Danielle recently and she's looking at Sharon and she's like, wasn't his hair a different color in the last episode? Because there was no time for him to go to the salon in between. Ryan, yes. thank you. I'm glad you're back. I had my last point on episode two I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Lou brings Talia in 
to scan Michael for uh, who shot him. This is spectral evidence. It's not admissible in court. And I was wondering if you'd like to talk about spectral evidence. It's rightfully not admissible in court because the thing which I can never... I keep getting um, telepathic scans confused with pensives, as I believe we all do. Uh, <laughs> because it, it, it's my wonder how much of it is what the person believes happened versus what actually happened versus... You can't order the state to rip into your mind. You have that expectation of privacy within your own mind. Did she scan Garibaldi while he was awake? Yes. Yes, she did. He asked her to. Well, it wouldn't be admissible in court because, you know, it could be suspect information he needed to know. Whereas you'll see some episodes, you know, Talia will be asked, could you possibly scan the guy walking down the hallway? The whole thing about spectral evidence goes back to the Salem witch trials and so forth in our legal system and our, our tradition here. It's, you need evidence, basically. There, that's why it's called this spectral evidence. Oh, I saw this thing that nobody else can see. Anymore. It's like the Mormons. And it's like, I, uh, I've got these gold discs. I apologize to all the Mormons. I was about to do that. We've got this, this gold disc, the uh, magic translation that we, we can't reproduce, but it's really real. Trust me, trust me. Um, and despite that, Mormons are very nice people. So great episode of Star Trek where Captain Picard goes on this entire mission and saves the human race, but it then never happened. So no one remembers it. And you checked in with Starfleet and Starfleet's like, we don't remember that. I'm like, he could be making the whole damn thing up. Does he want a medal now for doing it? (laughs) Now here's my question. When John meets Michael Uh in his number one is at the door with his hand on his gun, just in case Garibaldi says it was him. What the hell was that guy's exit strategy? Shoot Garibaldi, Ivanova, and Sheridan. And Franklin, and the nurses, and every- Yes, yes, that was... Shoot everybody. Like, premature eject... Like, what is his excuse oh. for that? Sorry, my I was polishing my gun and it shot 23 people. The gun just <laughs> went off, man. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, hit a slight weapons malfunction. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> See, I didn't actually, I didn't have a problem with that because to me that felt like that was just his instinct. He, he, he came into it. He wasn't expecting that that's what he would be walking into when he got into med lab. And that was just, you know, his first impulse was to shoot. I don't know that if it came down to it, he actually, if, if he'd had a chance to think about it, I, he, he seems sneaky enough. He, I don't think he would have actually done it. Well, I'm sure it would have been on the security camera if he had. <laughs> let, let it go. Now, they, they don't have security, they don't have security cameras, cameras, cameras in med they labs. They, they, put the, they put the station together very quickly. They don't have security cameras. Now, if Jeff were there, what I would do is when he said, you know, the guy by the door did that, I would say, Commander, please. It must have been that someone with a changeling net. Really? Because Sinclair was framed. <laughs> What's he going to say? No, that's preposterous. He'd be like, you're right. Take the rest of the day off. It'll be fine. Well, at one point, you bring up the changeling net. Michael actually brings that up at one point. He's like, hey, who are you? Where's the real guy? We, hey, we got a guy with a changeling net here. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. We were talking about how if it were Catherine Sakai and not uh, in the sherry, then it may have had more punch. Obviously, at this point, we were supposed to be exposing Lieutenant Commander Takashima, the person who shot Garibaldi in the back. Probably would have meant more, considering that we would have known her for an entire season, and her replacement would have been Laurel Second, a young Russian woman named Susan Ivanova. Oh well, 
What are you going to do? These things yeah. happen. She bored the crap out of me anyway. And they kept saying she wanted to do movies and she wanted to leave and she had this big career ahead of her. I looked So her where up. is she now? Why is she not a big star? She was a translator in an episode of The West Wing. That's it. Wow. And some other things was the only thing I've seen her in. So I'm That's really a shame because if she'd stayed with this, she could have had a pretty good pretty good time of it. Well, what's that woman's name from Cheers? The one who would sit on for like a couple of Shelley seasons? Long. Shelley, Shelley Long. Shelley Long, Long yeah. Shelley, Shelley Long, Long departed Cheers and it's widely seen as you know a horrible career move, but, but she did go on to star as Carol Brady in the Brady Bunch movies. Don't forget <sighs> True Beverly Hills. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I forget that? You and forgot. And she's also widely acclaimed for returning to her role as Diane Chambers in select episodes of Frasier. So. Yay. Not so much. She annoys the ever-living crap out of me. She was very good in the Money Pit co-starring with Tom Hanks, a movie I referenced just this morning. So. Did we discuss yet, to take away from the Shelley Long conversation, did we discuss yet how interesting it is that the Narns are the ones who, who sort of figure out what the shadows are and, and go and, and start to investigate this? Because I'd actually forgotten that from the last time. I'd seen it, and, and I, I was surprised that I forgot that. Well, the thing that's so tragic is Jakar is the first to do the Paul Revere thing and, and ring the bell. And the problem is everyone else either doesn't believe him or doesn't want to talk about it publicly. Right, because they already know. So it's like the boy who cried wolf. No, it's... Not really. It's he's Not he, at all. He notices that the shadows are around and the danger is coming. And he screams, everyone prepare, everyone look, everyone get ready, protect yourselves, protect everything. And everyone else either doesn't believe him and thinks he's a kook, or they know, but they don't want the shadows to know they know, so they hush him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very, it, he, he's, he's playing the Cassandra role here, and it's such an unusual thing from the, for Jacquard to do based on what we've seen from him so far, that it makes him, to me, a much more interesting character. It always feels like he's angry. Right. And then this adds, this gives him another dimension. Well, he was angry in the pilot. He's screaming Laurel's name out. Like, he, like she's in the shower and he pokes his head in. Lieutenant Commander Takashima! <laughs> well, no, I think if Jakar were poking his head in her shower, he'd have other things on his mind. Exactly. This is Jakar. This is Jakar, after all. It is yes. And the fact that Narn is now at war with the Centauri, supported by the Shadows, mm-hmm. which is not good. And the fact that everything seems to be falling apart. And the fact that Jakar warns Sheridan and Delenn and Kosh and Londo, but Londo really, he really couldn't use the information. The fact that Jakar warned everyone and now th- the species most at war with the shadows is the Narn. It is both tragic for Jakar and makes everyone else look like creeps because, you know, the, the, the Narn tried to stop this or Jakar tried to stop this and no one would back him up. So it's, an uncool thing to do to your friends. And Jakar and, and, and Londo, for the most part, they're, they, they seem remarkably civil to one another at times. And it's you, you understand why they can't constantly be at each other's throats. But then, you know, you have, you know, Londo and Jakar bantering in the Zocalo. And then the next scene, you have Morden offering to, you know, destroy the Narn homeworld at some point, if that's what Londo really wants. And and Londo's kind of okay with that. And it, 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 I think I talked last time about how, how much I love how, how multidimensional his character is. You know, we love him because he's silly, but at the same time, he does hor- horrifying things all the time. And that just, it just con- further contributes to this idea that he's a lot more complicated than he appears, that he can, you know, simultaneously be, be goofing off, you know, and, and, and being silly and being comic relief and then turn around and, yeah, okay, 
that that would be all right with me at some point. It's a very fine line because you have to acknowledge the fact that there's war situations and that <laughs> you're for, you formally subjugated your race and you have a desire to see death. You have a desire to see Narn killed, you know, Narn being the people killed. But the fact that you were talking about the genocide of a race and the destruction of a world, that shocks you. Like even Londo has limits. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, if more than one now, I'll blow up a few Narn ships. Oh, okay, this thing's perfectly reasonable. And people would die in that, but that's an acceptable loss. To Londo and to some other characters in the show who are prepared to kill, when you get into lots of zeros, it, it shows that they do have a conscience, which is mm-hmm. an odd kind it, it of thing. Might, it might also be the fact that they're civilians as opposed to military. And true as well. I mean, that's the... That's the issue I think you get into when you're killing, but you're killing too much. You're killing the wrong people. I mean, it's because Londo has said in the past, because I don't think Londo would have disputed the fact that he wished to at many times just wipe out all the Narn. But it's one thing to joke about it. It's another thing to have a guy who could very well do it say, I'll put it on my short list. Yeah. It would too, is Tuesday okay for you? Yeah. <sighs> um, how to say this? He, he talks about it, he jokes about it, but when he encounters somebody who actually says, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's right. do that. <laughs> now, you know, sometime next week, let, let's set a date for this. We'll do it together. It'll be fun. I don't really have that much sympathy for Londo, but I think that given that situation, I think when he talked to Morden, I don't think he knew exactly what he was getting himself into, but I think he dug his hole. He just made it worse and worse. There was a moment here at the end of Coming of Shadows. Londo makes another choice, and he chooses to get involved with Morden again. He asks for another demonstration and then he lies about the Yeah, Emperor's he, he lies. Words. He blows Jakar off. When you see the look on Jakar's face too, Jakar, as someone who has hated the Centaurian, it's almost like forgiving your rapist, like if you get down to it. It's the, the, the Centauri did awful, awful, awful things to the Narn and he's finally prepared to forgive and he's finally prepared to drink with the Centauri. And the minute he makes that gesture, the Centauri attack and destroy, presumably under the Emperor's command, a Narn outpost and kill mm-hmm. a lot of people. It's, it's, I thought it was their biggest colony, like a quarter million Narn. It was. It, yeah. Basically the population of Babylon 5. And when you get to that, you know how can Jakar ever trust someone again? Because it's like the football in Charlie Brown. It's When you look at Lord Rifa and you look at Londo... Londo is someone who he wants the Centauri to come back, and Rephus is all the right thing. It's the Emperor, he's weak, and the Prime Minister is in the Emperor's pocket. We have to adjust things. And he pushes all the right buttons for Londo, but even Londo's not comfortable with it. He still walks down the road. And they destroy the Emperor's legacy, and they destroy his will at the end. Not only do they declare war, they declare it in his name. Which is just an awful, awful, terrible thing to do. I think my knowledge of the future has clouded my sympathy for Londo. Yeah. You have knowledge of the future? The future for them, yes. yeah. Well, what do you know for their future? I mean, spoilers, yes. Okay, I didn't know if you meant the yes. dream. I didn't know if yeah, you meant no, the well, in the dream, too. The dream, too. But I don't think the dream engenders sympathy for Londo. I think see- the dream, if anything, makes us want to cheer Jakar on more. Do we see the dream? Yes, yes, yes we yep. do. Yeah, we've seen the dream. Yeah, it's come. It's that's why I asked you. That's why I asked you if Jakar had pulled us all. He, she, well, the the problem is, is that P.S. from her iPhone sent me a message asking if if Jakar pulled a saw, meaning to, did Jakar lose an eye? And the problem was her iPhone auto corrected her spelling because apparently Jakar is not in the Webster's Twenty First Edition dictionary, and Jakar came out Jack R, and Saul came out Paul. <laughs> 
Did Jack? Pull I actually a- saw. Usually comes out sail. Did Jakar pull a Jack or a sail or a Paul? I'm like looking. I'm like, what the freaking hell is this? Lost talking about? That's how you get it. It's your spell. Okay, then I'll 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 learn to spell better and type. It's Saul's fault. Right. The phone's fault. This is just it's drunk. Saul it's is not me. perfect. It's, it's oh. not me that's drunk. It's Saul. And, and fun fact. Oh. I, I just I just want to share with you. Originally, Jakar Jakar spelled. Uh, J apostrophe K A R Jakar. It was originally spelled J A C K A R Jack R. And on our DVD commentary, they did a tribute to Andres Consolas, who has uh, since passed away. And uh, JMS commented the fact that Jack R was the character, and Andres informed him, "I name him Jacar." He's like Jacar. He's like, "Yes, I am French." <laughs> and he just decided that Jakar at that moment would be French. And that's just the kind of actor he was. Like, he took the script. He's like, oh, this is quaint. I shall do things with this. And he would just <laughs> walk off and come back. And that's where you go. Half of what you see of Jakar, all that he knew about the character when it started, Jakar is a warrior. That's all that was written down. And nice. eventually you get the character. Jack R oh, is Jack, a warrior. Jack R. He is mm-hmm. French. He did a, a good warrior. job. <laughs> he, he was just, he's such an, an amazing actor, and, and you haven't even seen, like, anything that, that Yo, this actor can do. Yeah. Nice. I can't wait for more more stuff yeah. to rewatch. Yeah. They did several, as I said before, follow-ups to Babylon 5. Uh, the, the second to last of which was the pilot for a new series, the second sequel. The first sequel got canceled. Bad, awful, we'll never work with those idiots again. Second one, this is going to be great. Best episode ever. Like, we've never seen a script this solid. It's wonderful and we will we'll give you an unprecedented 2000 episode pickup as long as you get half decent ratings on the first night we just want you to pick up a, a decent pack of dogs and 18 and, and 18 and 18 to 24 year olds all you need is the 18 to 24 year olds they just have to tune in you're fine we're gonna book you we're gonna put you up against the super bowl we, we think you'll still be able to pick up at least 20 30 million people just up against the super bowl we're sure it's like being set up to fail being set up to fail and it, the, the the script was just not very good and it was on it was up against the super bowl but the one reason i just bought the thing is it is the final appearance of in some way Andreas Katsoulis in uh, Babylon 5 in, mm. in some capacity so I bought it just for that reason so that shows you that's a good reason ah, mm-hmm. purple okay, green I, what I want to know is how the hell did this cultural tradition start and why aren't they all dead you could because before it wasn't a, a murderous outing and two we have some dumb ass traditions ourselves so i'm not sure we're ones to judge we do not reach into a sack and pull out a strip of colored cloth which they claim is like a flag and like patriotism and they and then proceed to kill each other see i got the impression that the uh, the killing of each other just waded further into the tradition. This round, this... Yeah, I thought they just yeah, decided right now Congress, Congress, it, Congress it, it just passed a bill. Because the way they said people. it, the way they said it was that um, they would fight until they were one. The way you are one is you kill all the other guys. With well, on the other hand, it makes for easy population control. I was about to say, no condoms on the entire planet. <laughs> this is population control. Does this make me a bad person? And they have lithers, like 50 million of them born every year Th- look through the the history of mankind you have the the american revolution the small little force takes on this huge empire and wins uneven sides uneven technology and sometimes the big guy will win sometimes david will win against goliath you know it's it's about your spirit and the and what the the big guy is willing to you know what lengths you're willing to go to and so forth here's the drazi 
if they have exactly as many purple as green, they think we can't attack. We'll wipe each other out. They don't think, you know, maybe we could take out their left flank and maybe we could limit their number. Like, there's no creativity. Because the moment that Susan takes, the, I think, the green off one of the Drazi, you mm-hmm. can see all the other guys look over and you can see their heads turning. There's 174 of us and the 173 of them. We can take them now. No, was it because they were even? I thought it was because it blew their minds that she switched somebody from purple to green. In the scene where she breaks her foot, she walks over oh, and yeah, she yeah, takes yeah. the thing off. All he, I have to uh, do yeah. is take this off of him and yes. put it on him. And then they start beating. The and then they realize we can now take them. Finally, no, no, there's yeah. no, 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 no. It wasn't anything like that. Like, they they were fighting before that. But no, in, uh, yeah, I'm like, in the history of the Drazi, like if a purple ever went to the bathroom, it was all over. Maybe right? they don't use the bathroom the way we do. They go in pairs. It's like when girls go they- together. <laughs> <laughs> or they excrete their waste through sweat. Maybe they process it efficiently, and they don't have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating discussion. Which we like cramps? Another time, right? Cramps. <laughs> I loved when she was trying to describe. <laughs> I loved when she was trying to describe the fact that she hasn't washed her hair in seven days or twenty-one days or whatever. She's like, not only use- that, but has been using harsh chemicals on it. <laughs> yes, it irradiates the skin or whatever. And <laughs> CNC, I'm going to be in like an hour. Oh my goodness! I like Ivanova's suggestions of. Other than loading all the Drazi onto a ship and firing it into the sun? Well, I love her solution at the end. Those so Ivanova's the- solution to this this cultural dispute is genocide. No, her well, solution... Well, they suggest... They started it! Her solution at the end is those of you who are not going to jail for two months for attacking me are going to get a really big can of dye, and we're going to dye all of the green-purple or whatever. And then yeah, exactly. You will become one or whatever. Well, I, I love the, the setup for that. The whole solution is uh, the, the greens come out and say, what you do, you call all purple down here and then open airlock send them out to space everyone win <laughs> well i love the fact that they don't use any plural terms whatsoever and it just makes them seem like they're you know like ordering chinese food or whatever but yeah which i love is ivanova takes the thing off and puts it on herself and you see everyone salute and they get this yeah really and they're like what's going on I'm, she's, uh, like, she's the green leader now and it's like but i'm an alien rules change caught up in committee <laughs> yes, there were, were no aliens when rules Drafted change caught up in commitment. It's like bureaucracy, red tape. We cannot escape it. And I'm, I'm seriously, I'm watching the the um, commentary. There's a commentary of this episode with uh, Bruce Boxleitner, Jerry Doyle, Garibaldi, and uh, Claudia Christian, uh, Susan Ivanova, and I, I think it's just the three of them. You can tell Bruce Boxleitner, he is so into the show, he watches the episode like five times before the commentary, just so he can be prepared. And Claudia, you know, much like, like Dear P.S. here, I think she just had like a bottle of rum and she sits down, she's ready to go. And Jerry Doyle, he's a very po- he Jerry Doyle is um a very popular uh, radio host. He has his own show and he's he's a very busy guy. So he drops in to do these things and you can tell he hasn't seen this episode ever. Like he's never watched the, <laughs> he's never watched the show. He re- he probably like remembers acting in it. Like he's watching this episode and when they're holding Ivanova and there's a knock on the door, he's like who's that? It's him. Like he doesn't re- he, do- like, he doesn't remember filming the show. He remembers having fun, but he doesn't actually remember the plot so he's watching the show and you see all of the drazi marching around the corner and you see garibaldi standing there with his arms crossed he's like what i'm gonna take them all on look at my hair and count them look he's like (laughs) 
it's hysterical because he's like watching the logistics of the show. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to sit there and bite my nails and stop the entire Drazi force. Uh, the scream Ivanova gave when her foot supposedly broke was real because she had just broken her foot and the extra fell like six feet away from her foot, but she was so afraid he was going to land on her broken foot that she, that was a very genuine scream. And to give the actress credit, when she walks across that room to take the, the, the green scarf off, she's walking on the broken foot. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Woman's a trooper. A cycle is supposedly a drowsy week, so a cycle is a week, and then we say, no, 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 cycle is not drowsy week, cycle is drowsy year. It's like the credits. <laughs> <laughs> if Catherine yes. Zakai, you know, buys four bottles of wine and some bread, oh, and then later they charge them, they charge them rent, and it's thirty—is it thirty or thirty, week? Cred- 30 credits a week? Thirty credits, yeah. so one hundred twenty a month. So Catherine could pay for what? Three- P.S. What the hell are you doing? I'm not doing. I'm sitting here. What do you hear? A lot more than that. Like you're opening a bag of potato chips. I'm just sitting on the couch. Okay. On potato chips? Uh, <laughs> nope. Couch Near potato. potato chips. No potato chips in the house. Are you Doritos? borrowing Aaron's microphone? <laughs> nope. I'm using I'm using the microphone that came with Saul. So if you diss it, you dissin Saul. Why well, I. I- very you were much, dissing Saul earlier, so I, I don't want to hear it. I very much enjoy uh, Death Roll's edit of the first Babylon 5 episode that we do, where at one point I'm like, Aaron, do you have anything to add? He just types. Yes. <laughs> Aaron's keyboard now has its own sound effect. It's, if it's, anyone it's wants the to go new down Bernard. It. it is the mascot of the Puffball Exchange. Aaron's keyboard is a special guest in that episode. <laughs> oh, my oh my goodness. Saul has gotten hot. <laughs> Okay. All right. um, the, other, the other part of this episode was the techno mages, and you're not allowed to spoil. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's, it's it's rather it's rather warm. Would you like the to techno mages? The techno mages. Catherine, would you like to talk about the techno mages? In what regard? I, I don't know. You seemed excited by the techno mages. Not particularly. Do not try the patience of wizards. I love, I, I love Veer anger. when Veer has to go down there and he's like standing there and he's like shaking. <laughs> My name is Veer Koto. <laughs> well, at one point he was Kodo and at one point he was Kato. So his name he literally changed. He doesn't know his own name. You say tomato, I say tomato. He needs tomato. to check his driver's license. Learn to spell oh, it. Oh, there we go. We brought it full circle. We can end the podcast now. <laughs> well, I noticed there's an episode where someone calls the uh, former president, President Luis Santiago. Then an episode later, someone's like, so Luis Santiago. I'm like, you don't even know your own president's name. Barack Obama or Barack Obama. I call him Barry. I figured you would. If we're going to start talking about politics, I need more beer. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drink to that. Um, <laughs> I'll get the reindeer back. We're talking about Obama. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, no, no politics. Not It's way too early for politics. Um, Londo manages to piss off the techno mages. They cast some spells on him, and we get exposure to Narn Opera. <laughs> what did he buy when he's sitting in the room and the lights are flickering? He's now like the worm is in his account. Oh, 10,000 shares of... Oh God! What? What? I don't. Spoo. Spoo. Spoo factory. Yeah, yeah. 
And then there was Jesus six. and Tori Delicacy. Well, reminds me, who's the guy who was on Spin City? He played the press secretary, and he was also on Mad About You. He was the friend. He was the really eccentric. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Well, there's an episode of Spin City I, I talk about every now and then where one of the other secretaries calls him and, like, pretends to be a psychic, like, his phone psychic, and, like, tells them all these, like, awful things will happen to his friends and all this stuff. And he's getting, and they, and like, the only way you can avoid bad luck is to do all these, like, ridiculous things, and at one point they make him take all of his money out of the bank and go down to the racetrack and bet on a horse named Slope. It just reminds what? me of a similar thing happening to Londo. He's just sitting there like the ceiling's caving in on him. He's like, oh crap. And he he finally gets pushed to go apologize, well, which he, is well, great. Well, th- th- it was really weird pacing. Sheridan's in his office with um, I cannot remember the name of the of that. Is it Elrin? Elric? What's the, the, the Elric? Elric. Uh, he's in his office with the Technomage Elric, and Londo walks in with his drink because apparently there's an open liquor, there's an open liquor policy, much like that bottle that just fell to the ground. Um, MPS's room. Yeah, MPS's room. So he he. That was not mine. I heard it. It's somebody else. Well, of course you heard it. It was right in the room with you. No, it wasn't. So he, I heard it. At first, I thought he walked in with the drink and put the drink down, and the and the and the camera was in the drink because he wants to be blessed by Elric and receive and you know have that visual to advance his own career. He wanted an endorsement. But then I realized <laughs> he put the glass down, and then he put the camera down next to the glass. How mm-hmm. is that not the most obvious freaking thing you've ever seen in your life? It seemed like it should have been in the glass or something. Or I like how he made it blow up without going near it, though. That was cool. It's very cool. And Londo, like, literally, and then Sheridan, like, rips into Londo. And in some episodes, Londo, you know, can't be touched and, and he's, in, you know, all powerful and everything. And then in, the, in this episode, he, he's, like, cowering like a small child. And he's, like, running out of the office. Well, if you catch him in the wrong, he knows that he's done wrong. And he, he at least has a sense of shame about him. Right in that regard. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you think of Londo, he attaches himself to, to Mr. Morden and now realizes he's gotten in with the bad kids at school, and you wonder if this is an effort by him to, you know, find other powerful friends. Mm. Maybe who could counteract the first group of powerful well, I th- friends. Or- I think maybe he was looking for the endorsement here so he wouldn't need to go to Mr. Morden and these allies of his who he's, right. who, quite frankly, they make him very uncomfortable. Right. And he would much rather go about it other ways, get the endorsement of the techno mages, earn power back home through that sort of thing. I think Londo wishes Tony Soprano was available. Yes, yes, he does. And I remember in the beginning of this episode, he says to see one techno mage is a rare thing, two is bad news, and here's three of them. And then in the meeting, apparently there's a hundred of them on the station. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a bad idea. bad idea. But he has this wonderful quote here We have a right to go where we wish when we wish, with as many as we wish, without being harassed or questioned or detained. And I say, it's a good thing to know that the freedom of assembly is still with us in 2258. (laughs) Well, the thing, too, is part of the overwhelming plot arc you see in these episodes is you have the... um, in I believe the next episode, the just the I can't remember the name of the episode, the one with the uh, distant star. The distant star. You have the ship heading towards the rim, the direction where Jakar is warning everyone. You know Zahadum. 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 You know the the homeworld of the enemy and so forth. And then you have in this episode the, the Technomage is very advanced, are getting the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, they which, know the darkness is coming. Which is which is very important, and it's it's, it's a credit to the show that you started seeing, 
you know, the fact that there is darkness approaching way back in the beginning of season one that we talked about. And even at this point too, there's still little chess pieces being moved into position. You have Nar, you have Jakar's warnings and how that interacts with the, with the Mr. More than plot line. And then you have, you know, the, in the, in the distant dark, you have, um, the, or the long dark. What the hell's the name? The distant star. Distant star. Yes. Distant star. You 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 know you have this whole episode, and that's a little nugget at the end of it. So it's interesting how everything kind of relates to everything else as we get into the second season. It's why it's such a stronger season. We know who everyone is. We know how the jump gates work, and now we can get into the. Actually, we don't know how the jump gates work. They don't tell us. I'm sure we can figure it. You press a button, and the thing opens up. That's pretty much how it is. You fly in, and then the thing closes behind you. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I'm sure that you could do it, Ryan. I'm sure if they gave you a spaceship, you could use the jump gates. Okay, well, I've been talking about... P.S., why don't you take it from here? You and your reindeer. What reindeer? Are they back? Yeah. Yep. I swear to God, there's nothing I'm doing that's making these reindeer appear. So, we were talking about a distant star... Okay. Okay, we see Franklin insisting on putting everybody on a food plan. This is government health care run out of control. It will be like this before too long. And if you don't do what the good doctor tells you, you will wind up in front of a death panel. I'm so glad that we haven't decided to get into politics. By the way, if you can find the page, if you can find the, page the death panel is mentioned on, I'll give you $100. <sighs> there is no specific page. There doesn't need to be. It's on page two. Come on. Yeah, there you're going to have the death details, panel. Details. Just... Who needs details? We can make You're it going up. to have people deciding who. You're going to have bureaucrats making these decisions, not people and their doctors. And Therefore, by definition. That's what was in the damn thing. I mean, when you say children? death panel, children? I picture like the Mimbari Wiz and Gamut. Children? Council. Yeah. Making these decisions, and it's not like that. There's no death panel. Know, but it makes great news, and Sarah Palin can fit it in her tweet because it's under 177 <laughs> characters. Hey, kids. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock, and we're on episode four. We're jumping around. We've already done episode nine. <laughs> Quite a bit of it, yes. Of it. But we're still like halfway through what we're supposed to be for tonight. Let's talk about Sheridan's pal. His what? Captain Maynard, who wears cowboy boots. Yes. I don't like him. I just, I'm, I, I do. I, the whole time, I, the first time I saw this, I kept thinking, okay, when are they going to kill him? When are they going to kill him? It's really bugging me. When are they going to kill him? And then they don't I kind of had that thought in my mind, too. Here is a guy that you'll like and feel bad when they kill him, you know, at the 45-minute point of the episode. <laughs> yeah. And then he doesn't die. Well, I'm glad I was he didn't kind of die sad. because his XO there was the worst over actor I've seen. Oh my time. god! Because he's the, okay. Here's the thing: when you have the little console in front of you, act like it's a real functioning workstation, you know, and treat it like it. I know people can't see the buttons, but pretend that button turns that on and that, and that slider controls the whatever. He's like pounding on the thing like a two-year-old plays with, you know, like an easy bake oven. I'm like, I don't think that looks real. I don't think you're actually operating that. And it wasn't helped with the fact that you could obviously tell the corridor behind him was painted onto the wall. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, I, I was going to just say that whole ship sequence like with the other ship just seemed very fake. And it reminded me of Star Trek and its fakiness. They used up all the budget in the last episode. I don't know if anybody saw the greatly advanced CGI sequences. And I have a note. This whole episode is to demonstrate the fact that the budget is much bigger. Well, they built Earhart's, so you have that cafe, you know, the officer's only cafe now. That was probably... Right, I liked that, okay. but I was now talking this, about... 
This is something that bothers me so much, and it happens a couple times this season. The captains are drinking with the fighter pilots. <laughs> Just no. Negative. They're not going to go out drinking together. That It, it bothers me. It, it pulls me out of the episode and, and makes me think, no, this is never going to happen. The captain's not going to sit down for a beer with a random guy who just so we can learn who random guy is. Is it all of the fighter pilots or just the commanders of the, the wings? It, it's like Keffer and and the guy, whoever his, his counterpart is from uh, from Sheridan's buddy's ship. Was was that before or after Keffer came back alive? Oh, that was that was way before. That's at like the, that, that's the, yeah, beginning yeah, the, beginning, the beginning of the episode. I don't want to keep saying BSG stuff, but I got he that I thought Keffer was the keg. Well, there's different essentially. Logs. There's no there's two groups. There's Zeta group and whatever the other group is. Delta wing. And there's yeah, and I think there might be a couple of other wings later on. Each wing has its own head, and Keffer is one of those. It's, mm-hmm. I, I believe Keffer was the wing that was given to the station by President Santiago. Correct. In, in season one, so he came aboard there. Um, the only thing I could possibly say is Sheridan has just an overdose of vitamin C, and he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. It's possible. He's just so happy all the time. He's, just- he's had too much vitamin C. His brain is using that to produce serotonin, so he's got a huge grin on his face. He just does. I'm not sure that's the biology of it. I think it is. <laughs> That's when you take too much vitamin C, you just piss it out. Your pee turns neon yellow and you move on with your life. I'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. I mean, now that we have figured out what Sheridan does in the bathroom as well as what the Drazi do in the bathroom. Sheridan goes into the bathroom and Ivanova's reading a magazine. You just hear Sheridan from behind the closed door. Holy crap! Cutting in on his oranges. Or the episode where he and Garibaldi use the public urinal similar scene. Oh, I love that scene because it takes you a while to figure out what they're doing. You see a Pac Morago in there. What the hell is he doing there? Yeah, it's it's very bad. Carrie and either. So this episode, we find out that, that hyperspace is scary and that there are all these eddies and in, 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 in eddies in the space time continuum. Get him out. Exactly, and, and you have to follow the beacons, or you're going to get lost, and it's like this you know, endless foggy sea or whatever. And the thing I love is this was the first hyperspace has ever been found. John says, "Well, I don't care. We're going to be the first. Luckily, they're only thirty feet from the jump gate, so we just yeah. if we bring binoculars, we can find them. But the, and but the, the, this is one instance, a rare instance of getting into the technology and the science of it. They say the ship is being pulled into a gravitational incline or down a gravitational incline, and and I don't know how much anybody wants to discuss theories of hyperspace, but planets and so forth are these gravity wells, and I think that's what they're talking about. Well, the thing that I got was when you watch Babylon 5, it's this two-dimensional space where it's like red clouds in the background. Every once in a while, there's clouds in the foreground, and ships kind of flying all around it, and if you fly far enough, you can't be seen anymore. In Legend of the Rangers, uh, the, the second-to-last installment of B5, when a ship is in hyperspace, it's this like horrible story. You can barely see 10 feet away from the ship, and it's like shaking the thing. It's this, it's this very, very different effect. And one of the fans or to Joe Straczynski and said, what the hell was that? Well, that's hyperspace when you have a budget. Pretend it always <laughs> looked like that. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Because when you watch this episode, you're like, oh, hyperspace, it looks it, it looks actually kind of peaceful. I would like to go there. And it's apparently not. Nothing else on this episode except the last nope. little bits with um, Garibaldi and Franklin. The, the whole plot there with the food and turns out that Mike's dad always made this meal for him and now he makes it every year. 
to remember him. Franklin says, all right, well, that's an exception to the food plan. I'll sit down with you and enjoy it. And he says, hey, I didn't authorize dessert. Well, then you can't have any. <laughs> this is really good. I think it was a blooper where Richard Biggs is like, don't make me eat this shit. <laughs> I think it's one of the bloopers there. The yes. recipe is in the Lurker's Guide. Is it really? Yes. Really? Awesome. That makes me so happy. Yeah. So this is this is the episode with the with the star stuff conversation at the very end. And it's the first like real conversation conversation that I think they've had. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, I just have to say I love that speech so much. Me too. The first time I saw this episode, I was I think 17 years old. I don't know, something about that just really resonated with me. I memorized it. <laughs> and I still have the little laminated copy I made of, of, of this speech. It's hanging in my classroom. I was actually going to bring it home tonight, but then I got distracted. But it's like, I do. I put it up on my bulletin board every year. And I, I don't know what it is about it, but I just love the idea that the universe is constantly sort of reflecting upon itself. And that's the human experience. Or that's, the, that, that's the experience of, of anybody whose conscious is you know, trying to figure out not only ourselves and our own condition, but the, the big picture uh, what what is what is existence about not just what is life about it's not quite at the end it, it's while they're still searching for um for the lost ship mm-hmm. and sheridan goes to the garden to sort of think yeah. about you know his friend and and uh and and encounters the end there because that's where everyone goes to hang out when they're upset it's cheers And obviously the fact that Keffer sees a shadow vessel in hyperspace. and That's huge. And then the fact that now Keffer knows there's something out there, and that's critical to Keffer's characterization as the plot. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason we have Keffer. It's, re- well, they- it's, his, it's his reason for existing. <laughs> he, was, he was told, JMS was told, we want a hot fighter pilot. And he's like, I'll I'll put Keffer on. I I know just what to do with him. <laughs> really? <laughs> exactly. Be- be- because Ron Moore will one day be asked to have a birthday party on the Battlestar Galactica, so I must get there first. So. The oh, long yeah. dark. Oh, yeah, that was the one with the lady who was from 100 years ago. And yeah. the Franklin needs to learn with... some, yeah, he needs to learn that some was... professional boundaries. You don't, oh, <laughs> just don't, don't, don't go there. Is yeah. it wrong that every love interest Franklin has on this show from the second season on is an African-American? I, I just thought that was, it's the only African-American characters I think that we see and, and they all have affairs with Franklin. It's Two just, of them are, but one of them isn't. Who's the third? Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Because yeah. we're, we're wa- my wife and I are watching this episode. We're like, okay, this is obviously going to be another love interest. There's another one coming up later on. I'm like, I just thought that was a little stereotypical, but you're right. I had forgotten about Franklin bores me. He's a boring guy. Well, the thing with he Franklin is. is usually you when you make out your cast or you make out your list of characters, you have, you know, the the, the exo with the with the secret and you have, you know, the security guy with the and you have all and you have all these different layer characters. Then you have the ship's doctor. And all they do is put band-aids on people. And it's actually um you'll see some characterization for Franklin later on. Who is he if he's not the doctor? And you actually mm-hmm. see that question be answered, which is which is good because it's the trap you usually fall into. Usually, they're the doctor. Always seems like enough characterization, but it never is. So he is uh, pretty stale and pretty one-dimensional as we get into it. The show has develops a problem very early on, and I'm glad that they, you know, as Ryan alluded to, I'm glad that they sort of address it because you. It's hard to just put him into an episode. He's not going to be up and see and see with everybody because why would he be up there? 
And he's certainly not going to go out and, you know, shoot somebody or, or go, you know, when things get exciting, he's going to be the guy who mops up afterward. And it just, it, it, we don't get anything. There's no good reason to include him in half the episodes because why would you need to go down to Med Lab and why would he be anywhere else? He's exposition king. When you bring the yes. alien aboard, he gets to explain why the alien's unconscious and what's wrong with their blood, with his blood pressure and all these different things. Gets in on the, the diet episode and he gets included in all these different various plots, but he's so separate. And that was one of the problems they were going to have with Sinclair because he has so much going on. You can't just, write him into any different episode or because everything had to be so carefully controlled much like rudolph over there <laughs> well seriously if it's really there then why don't we quit skype and move to the cell phone no sorry i i find it kind of comforting it's like because i think i think it's a skype thing i mean it's honestly like i swear it's like on whatever it's... i can swear on that i am not knowingly causing it so say we all i i think it's so say we all it's like a it's like so a, say it, we all. You know what? it's a part of Puffwa. it's character for our podcast are you are you honestly serious that it's not a problem no i find it somewhat comforting it's like when when you think you're alone in the world you you have rudolph and you have aaron's keyboard and everything will be okay okay um yeah (laughs) as it chimes in to say thank you shut up all right so what's next franklin is talking about the nature of life and he sounds very russian about it she's saying i'm in the future weren't we supposed to cure disease and and poverty and and be get rid of money and become you know, these Star Trek. Yeah, weren't we supposed to become these wonderfully u- utopian people in the future? And basically he's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. It takes more than a hundred years. <laughs> and we take all of our problems with us to space. And there's a few moments during the series where they almost seem to be commenting directly on Star Trek and why things don't work out that way. And you have Jakar. Well, and you have Jakar. That's- Right. fine because it's unrealistic and how the hell do they pay Odo or, or Quark or whatever Quark, the hell yeah. his name is I don't think they really pay Odo very much because he doesn't have hands so you have Jakar walk up and Jakar is the only one of the only people who A sees what's really going on and B wants to talk about it in the public well no the League knows about it they know about the darkness and the ancient enemy but they're not a real character and they, and they don't really have any real power nobody listens to them and no one listens to Jakar and he basically walks up to the woman and says hide I am the first reptile who has ever spoken to you, I realize. Go home and hide. I mean, would you listen to a spotted thing that if it, if it just came up to you and started talking? She's having a bit of a day She She's having a very long day. She's having a very long day. Reptiles want to talk to me? Sure, write them in. Lots of interesting stuff. The shadow thing eats thing people's internal organs. It'll suck your life energy. Um, and I love at one point, Sheridan says, break out the heavy weapons, and Susan just hands him a rifle. <laughs> it's like, already done. And the heavy weapons look like they could probably be broken if they were, you know, dropped on the floor, even <laughs> yeah, on the carpet. They got more money They're made the of cardboard. that much more. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually two-dimensional. If you turn the heavy weapons on their sides, you actually can't see them anymore. Although the invisible monster alien, if you know, did you guys notice when they, when they finally end up killing it, we get this brief silhouette. It looks like a gremlin, and then it just disappears into a block of ink yeah. they really did use i think all the entire cg budget or just you know in in, in episode two because uh, yeah this was exceptionally bad yeah well i like how the very last thing we see in this episode is the book of jaquan and we see this Im- 
up sort of thing there and it's like whoa they really do know what's going on right. now if only somebody would start listening to them and now we know from the book of Jaquan that, th- that the shadows visited the Narn homeworld very 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 long ago mm-hmm. which is incredibly important to the uh, meta plot and you know it's the, the thing about Babylon 5 is you can have this episode where the humans from the past get possessed by space zombies which we've all seen a thousand times but the difference is at the very end oh by the way they were heading for Zahadum. Yeah. And that's it. And that's yeah. the end of the episode. The fact that they came by Babylon 5 is a complete accident. It's now a, yeah. it's now an arc episode. It's now advancing the shallow plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just little crumbs like that, which I think were very cool. Yeah. The thing came on the ship, set a new course, and sent them out that way. Um, you, have I just, to, you have to pity them. They got the slowest freaking ship in the world. Well, the, the thing is, they made contact with the Centauri like a year after this mission went off. <laughs> you think they could have gone like, Why didn't they still find them? <laughs> They're yes, literally 20 they minutes down the road. You know how hard it is to find anything in space? The introduction to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy begins like this. Space is big. Really big. You just won't believe how vastly, hugely, mind-bogglingly big it is. I mean, you may think it's a long way down the road to the chemist, but that's just peanuts to space. Well, I wonder, too. They know what direction they went. You just follow the string. But sublight, though, would you be able to catch them, or would you be able to plot a jump point that exactly? Um, Well, you know, oh, here's what it is. They couldn't afford to pay the Centauri to go out and look for them, because the Centauri are the ones who had jump technology at this point. That's bad. Yeah, that sounds right. They would just let these people... Budget cuts. Well, when the, when the two aliens in the first season went to Londo for help, they want to, you know, operate on our kid. He's like, how big is your checkbook? <laughs> like, Yeah. Oh, well, I've already done some of the work here. <laughs> Administrative overhead. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, no, I'm getting that confused with another episode. I was thinking of Grail. No, you were thinking of that. Yes, yes. I was thinking yeah. of Grail. You were thinking of the thinking religion of one. Believers. Believers. Right, right. Do you know that I looked it up? The mother from Believers plays the uh, former Earth Alliance president. That's funny. Just fun fact. Write it down. That's that's funny. Episode six, Spider in the Web. Spider in the Web. It always makes me sad. Yeah, it always makes me sad to see Jeff Conaway in anything. Because how is he doing now? I saw him on Celebrity Rehab, and it was bad. He's not doing well. So he was in in Greece. And he mm-hmm. he debuted in Spider in the Web, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you could always tell on the show when they would ask him about Babylon Five, he had a very rudimentary understanding of the overall plot. He he seemed like he knew his little corner of it, and that was that was all. I always joke he's like low on my list of favorite actors from the show because he did, he's not Peter Jurassic, and he's he's certainly not Andreas Katsoulis, but he. He, he's kind of the everyday man on mm-hmm. on on Babylon Five. Who, who are you talking about? Uh, Zach Allen. Zach Allen. Yeah, uh, security okay. guard. He's the security guard. He's uh, Garibaldi's new second. Uh, Lou Welch. Not yet. Not yet. Is he not yet? Not yet. I thought he was right from the beginning. At least it wasn't recognized as such. I, okay. No, I was under the impression. I was under the impression he was the new guy because they rode off. He is the new guy, but he, his character hasn't really been explored at all for the episodes we're covering tonight. So editor, cut all this out. Editor, put that back in. Editor, put big fracking deal right here. Big fracking deal. 
I actually would have been interested in how the show would have went if they just left Lou Welch as. I like Lou. <laughs> one, at one Me point too. earlier, they were they had uh, they had just gotten the bad guy, whoever his name was, I can't remember, and they're like, "We got him, Captain. He's all yours, unless you want to take a walk around the block a few times." <laughs> I love that. Lou, I believe, actually makes the uh, reappearance. He won't be on the show again, but he appears in some of the novels. Oh, okay. Lou, Lou will appear again, which is which is a very good oh, thing. He kicks the guy in the chest when he's down. He's like, and that was for the chief. <laughs> <laughs> Lou's definitely in a union. He just screams union. Member he does. Him. He's in the security union. He absolutely is. At one point, John and Susan are having a conversation here in episode six. You threw a telepath out a three-story window on Io. There was a pool below. I'll assume you knew that. <laughs> Um, John says that he trusts in individuals, not organizations. And she says, well, then you can trust Miss Winters. Which is interesting, because as we've been saying, Garibaldi doesn't trust telepaths, but he seems to trust Talia. Mm -hmm. I think Talia is bad. I think she is somehow manipulating people to trust her, because both Garibaldi and Susan don't trust telepaths, but they like her. Interesting. Very, Very interesting. Now, is there any subplot involving a pleather jacket of any kind, or is that just your... No. I think it's more like she used her psychological powers to... It's like she's put the Imperius curse on them. Ooh. Deep, nice. yet connecting to a past fandom. I like it. Excellent. I think Abby is remade up. Who? I don't think Abby exists. I think Abby oh. is like... She might believe Abby exists. I don't know, but like I feel like Abby is like something she she made up to cope with trauma. An imaginary friend? Yeah. Wilson the volleyball? Quite possibly. Maybe. Okay, interesting. All right, so you don't trust Talia. But the thing is, when you listen to Talia talk and about all of the the good things that the core has done for her, she just gets this... She sounds so brainwashed. ...expression on her face. Well, she's remembering a, a time when things were good, when the core took care of her, the core is mother, the core is father. She believes all of this stuff. Like, she sounds like a communist. <laughs> she... <laughs> Wow. I'd like to point out she voted for Obama, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I did, but I still think Talia sounds like a communist. What is it about her that seems to want to share the wealth? No, not a communist, a cultist. <laughs> oh. A little bit of a difference there. It sounds like it sounds like she's in a cult. So we're still talking about Obama? Stop no, we're talking it. about we're talking about Talia. I'm sitting here. I'm like, Talia. Obama is the president. He's he's not on the show. Is he really the president? Yeah. yeah, Okay. Can I just say, in episode, I voted for it. In episode twenty-five, Deathrolls like, well, let's see the birth certificate. Then I explain the whole birth certificate thing. Well, I don't really want to see the birth certificate. Oh, I was at one twelve, and I was taking the piss. Absolutely. Deathroll is joking. I don't for a second believe that Deathroll is one of these wackos. I've I've seen that people have put out oh the announcement in the paper and the copy of this. Okay, fine. I I don't care. The guy's the president. It's it's a little too late now even if it were true. Wait, so you're I'm, not sure? I mean, please don't tell me you're one of these people. No, I haven't No, I have, I haven't seen it with my own eyes so I can't say yes or no. I haven't seen the copy. I haven't seen the announcement. I haven't seen any of that. I really don't care. The guy's already the president. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do about it if we find out? Nag 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 n
by the time we find out, he'll already be voted out of office anyway, so it doesn't matter. If Sarah Palin is the nominee... We have to think, change the subject. No, if Sarah Palin is the nominee of the Republican Party in 2012... I, oh, God, cut that out. No, I, yeah, let's cut out P.S. Sorry, change the subject. Well, that, <laughs> Wayne, please do not email a copy of that to Babylon 5 Space. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what I think that we should do is if Sarah Palin is the Republican nominee, I think half the country will literally commit suicide. I don't know which half or for what reason. Well, you never I followed through on your promises to move to France if Bush got elected. So yeah, well, did I somehow, to do that? well, all the liberals did, and Wasn't you know Rush what? Limbaugh all the liberals. No, Rush. Limbaugh. Yeah, how about all the people that said they were, they were going to move to Canada if Obama got elected? No, Canada is no. way more liberal than us. No, he was in the move to a country because of the healthcare thing, but the country he picked had universal healthcare. Well, that's just dumb. That's bad staff work. Just pick that's very bad staff work. At least. Try and be consistent. At the present, I think I would vote for him again. I'm going to drag us back to the episode. Thank you, God. Yes. T is Mike's <laughs> third favorite that. thing. That made me laugh so hard. What we know with the second favorite thing is, have we seen Garibaldi's quarters yet? This yes. Yeah, the first, yeah, the first episode. Are you talking about Daffy Duck or are you talking Daffy, about Jeff? Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck. And his, presumably his first favorite thing is sex. Presumably. Jeff. Second favorite thing is Daffy Duck and Looney Tunes. Third favorite thing is tea. I don't see him as much of a tea drinker. Garibaldi's all about surprises. This is true. That is a good point. I'm wondering, like, what's up with his shampoo, though, because his hair falls out every season, if you know. <laughs> <laughs> they just haven't found a cure for male pattern baldness. Well, wa- Simple as ep- that. The episode where the, it's uh, Claudia Christian, Box Lightner, and Jerry Doyle, they're look- there's a close-up of Garibaldi's head. They're like, what's up with that, like, six-inch patch of hair that, like, comes straight out? From all the others, it's 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 a very unique. PS is very worried that we're going to send a clip of this to Babylon Five Space. Yes, we're not going to send the clip to the Babylon Five Space. Please come. We can. Will you cut it? I, I was just. It was. I was just making a joke, but see, the conversation had already moved like the second before I said it because I was just doing. Because Deathrow was like, "What are we going to do?" And I was just making a joke. I'm sorry, Mr. President. No, I voted for you. Either can you please cut up? Yes, um, making the joke about the president, but can you please leave in there? I'm sorry, Mr. President. I voted for you. I did. I voted for you, and you know what? I'm going to vote for you again. I really think I will, because it's not like there's going to be another Democrat coming in, and I'm not going to vote for Republican. So, except except I almost voted for John McCain, but don't 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 remember that part. Moving right along. Moving right along. Um, let's see. We're at the, trying to get through the end of episode six, and then after that, I think I'm really I've had enough for tonight. Yeah, we're jumping. We've 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 hit most of the major episodes. I mean, the major point here is Maud's daughter from Maud plays the woman from Mars, and you have... I got the sense it was, like, old friend, mentor, obviously not in the side core, but someone that she cares uh, very deeply for, you know, is murdered on the station. Now, is that the episode that involves Bureau 13? Yeah. That's the one yes. we're in right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing with Bureau 13 is that plot line in the, in the control agent aboard Babylon 5, and, and that whole thing came about based on part of a plot that got dumped, and the other problem with it was they found out shortly after that there was a game, I think. that was Yeah, Bureau, Bureau 13. 13 is copyrighted, and so they had to change it, but it's it's still Psycor, and it you can assume yeah. they just, Bureau 13, they found out that Sheridan knew about the name 13, so they changed it. Right. So, uh, that's how I 
Yeah, there's. It, it's not really important. It, it well, feels. It feels the same, and you'll find out who control <laughs> is, and and you'll find out a lot of information about that. So it all kind of still holds together, but you'll never hear the words Bureau Thirteen in the station again, but or I, on the show again. But that yeah, whole bit. Yeah. The, he, Talia sees this vision here, and the doctor's working on uh, Horn, and the psychop there just really looks like Gillian Anderson. It's she really does. She really yes. Does. And all I can think is, they can rebuild him. They have the technology. (laughs) Talia lies when she says she didn't see anything. She is protecting the core. Yes, she is. Because she's still... Because she's still still a communist in the cult. In the cult. The the core is mother, the core is father. And you never betray the core to anyone outside the core. It's like Slytherin House. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say that. And she's heard. Well, I know you were, so I'll say it myself, and then I don't have to yell at you for impugning Slytherins. Well, she's heard from Susan, and she's heard from everyone else. Impugning? It's impugning. You're correcting someone's spelling. You just called Talia a communist. That wasn't spelling. That was talking. Pronunciation. (laughs) Oh, I apologize. (laughs) I like what Deathworld just did. That was talking. All right. But you get get to the point where Talia has heard bad things about the core, but when it's so ingrained in you, you can't just turn your back on it regardless of anything. But now there's obviously something very, very dark happening within the side core. You know that now they're they're like animating dead people. I mean, that's not normal. Inferny. Inferny. Yeah. Uh, Just a question. P.S. Are you breathing heavy into the phone? Nope. Someone is. Anyone know who? Is it me? Maybe. Because I'm not breathing heavy into it, but I have a fan like 20 feet away aimed at me, so the residual air might be... Oh, that might be it. Okay. So I'll move a little bit out of the path of it. Brian, you're ordered to to swelter. What? Swelter. Swelter. Turn off the fan. Uh, let's see I'm, enriching, I'm enriching Ryan's vocabulary, I sure. feel. Yay. And you find uh, out about the nuclear wasteland in San Diego because JMS went to San Diego once, hated it, and is determined to turn it into a nuclear wasteland. Yeah, there, there was a terrorist group that set off a nuclear device in San Diego. When do you Diego. find that out? We already found Did that out at some point. When? Uh, Before. In, in the first season, I think it was mentioned. Yeah. He, he mentions like Hiroshima, Nagasaki, San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 You hear about yeah. that. And that was it, where um, Jillian Anderson was based out of. And we actually like, see her. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I just like, uh, this has nothing to do with Jillian Anderson look like, oh. but I just, I like that, that Sheridan seems so much more interesting to me and, and much less the happy go lucky guy that he, he kind of comes across as in the first few episodes. Because he, he lets, I think it's Ivanova, he tells Ivanova that he's been researching this Bureau 13 for years. And it just, it's like, okay, maybe you're not a little, you know, flunky that, that uh, EarthGov thinks you are. Well, you find out, like, far, much later on in the show, you know, why was Sheridan picked to replace uh, Sinclair? Because Sinclair was like, a, he, he was a miracle pick because the Mimbari would take anyone else. Why would Clark put Sheridan there when so many admirals and diplomats and, and you know, it's such a great gig to give out to someone who just wants to use it for recognition. Why did Sheridan get it? Sheridan on paper is the biggest hard ass ever. Mm-hmm. And it just pisses the Mimbari off that they pisses, oh, yeah. in charge of the it, station after Sinclair. And it's, it's Sheridan Starkiller. It's Sheridan yeah. Starkiller. But the fact that on paper Sheridan looks like a hard ass, but he's he's definitely you know Starkiller. He destroyed the Black Star. Well, I think they wanted to have somebody that would piss off the Mimbari because they just took the previous guy. Yeah. True. And Clark definitely didn't like 
Sinclair. I mean, that was abundantly clear that, that you know, sending in Benzane and, and I think you can absolutely make an argument based on what we know now that that was, there were, there were politics behind. Yes, absolutely. Clark, Clark did not get along with Santiago very well and he didn't get along with Sinclair. He wouldn't have gone along with Sinclair. I don't know if they ever met or anything. Um, remember in future episodes the fact that for the first six episodes of his appearance, Sheridan never stopped smiling. Remember that he's Captain Happy-Go-Lucky because you will see his character progress you know, as the, as the show continues. Yeah, when, when I said I was starting to like him and he was growing on me, I was actually referring to next podcast because I've watched ahead. <laughs> uh, so everyone here has seen ahead to some point because... Nope. Well, you know some spoilers about the Narn. No, not really. Said, I thought you said you did. No. Who, didn't you say you had spoilers earlier? No. I think that was me. Oh, that was you? <laughs> like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Very cool. Okay. Okay. No, I, I finished watching episode nine uh, like four hours ago. Oh, awesome. What episodes did we even have left anyway? Seven. Soulmates. I feel like we should up. give Soulmates the attention it deserves. We should. It's uh, awesome. Londa's wives show up. Um, but before we get to that, we were talking about Talia. Uh, Talia was married to a stoner because the Psychor decided they were genetically compatible and they oh, arranged yes. a marriage. They didn't have kids. Is that correct? I don't believe they did, no. Okay, Matt left the core before then. Um, Jakar has migraines. Whenever something happens that he doesn't understand, and Londo is going out of his way to mess with him, he walks around my good friend Jakar, and Jakar's like, his "Oh, brain. just like that! Oh, it hurts." <laughs> Let's see. Delenn has hair issues, and her and Susan have a slumber party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that well, was I love fun. like why like. Like 250,000 people in the station, there isn't one hair salon in all of Babylon 5. Why are you coming to me? Beyond the fact that she's the only person she trusts, you're the only woman on the main cast. (laughs) Well, no, she's an ambassador. She has to preserve her dignity. No one can know about this. Because Susan tries to say, isn't there someone else you should be talking to? (laughs) Well, remember Claudia Christian in the first episodes were like, is she not going to smile for the first six episodes? And now look at the roles that Claudia Christian gets. She she gets a lot more funny stuff, which is good. In recognition of Londo's uh, 30th anniversary of his ascension, that he's been granted a present by the emperor, and that is a divorce! (laughs) (laughs) And yes... Tommy, his wife, is vomit spelled backwards. I was just gonna say that. Well, the other one is um, what's his? What's the Marianne? There's Mariel and Daguerre. Daguerre, what's yes. Daguerre spelled backwards? I don't think it's anything uh, spelled backwards. I think it's supposed to be dagger. No, it actually, I I spelled it a particular way where actually it, it didn't mean something spelled backwards. I can't remember now. And then the uh, the floozy wife over in the corner who is apparently yeah. um doing the nasty with Jakar was my take. Oh, that was creepy. Well, the thing is, I know you actually can't tell from from the writing who actually tried to kill Londo because it, based on the direction it could have been Jakar it could have been uh, his wife there the floozy one Marielle Marielle Marielle, by the way, who will um, be back in the uh, novels. Marielle has mm-hmm. a very big part. And obviously, based on the celebrity, uh, I can't think of her name, the actress who played uh, Vomit there over in the corner, you, you kind of got the sense that she would be the one who would stick her. And obviously, you assumed that he would pick Marielle. And, um, you know, oh, I didn't assume that at all. Well, you assume if Londo is the, is the one who wants the very attractive trophy wife. I, I knew better. Well, I, I, I guessed right from the get-go. I knew he was going to pick Vomit from... <laughs> As soon as you met all three of them and they were in the same room together, like, and he's going to pick that one. 
I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I just love the use of the word bitch on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a bitch like you would know about breeding. <laughs> Even when she gives blood to Londo, she's like, I will only give it if you don't tell him it came from me. There's yeah. strong love here or strong something between these two. <laughs> exactly. Which, it's a strong something. Right. The others, there is weak nothing right yeah. and londo has no anchor anymore he's out there with more than you know the, the the world is changing everything is changing and at least vomit will tell him where he stands and he treasures mm-hmm. stability even if it <laughs> i love it what's her line at the end i don't like you i can barely tolerate you. <laughs> i'll never love you <laughs> because i i always know where i stand exactly where i stand mm-hmm. yeah i like that he doesn't he doesn't have to worry that she's being fake to him or that she has ulterior motives or something. She just flat out hates him. You know, and he a, says, I can live with that. You know, it actually never occurred to me during the whole Lady Adira thing. He was married at the time. I keep forgetting. To three of them. <laughs> so, I mean, don't worry about it. Oh, and he speaking of three of them, <laughs> Londo wants to have an orgy. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lingerie showdown that I particularly enjoy. <laughs> And, and vomit is having absolutely no part of it, but the others are down for it because they don't want to lose their position, status. their rank, their privilege, their status, their wealth, his wealth. His for, wealth. That for, they've diverted money from his savings into various other accounts. I find it funny that Londo is just putting it out there, saying, "Ah, you're emptying my credit accounts. Oh yes, never a problem there." <laughs> I wonder which one of them got the spoo factory back. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be much left in that in that uh, savings account. Now. Well, I love the voice of the computer. Congratulations, you have just purchased five hundred thousand of spoo. Yeah. Um, and Franklin asks when he wakes up, "Do you know where you are? I'm either in med lab or in hell. Either way, the decor needs work." He goes off about how about Timov. Yeah. And Franklin all of them and, and Franklin basically tells him to go F himself and walks Can away he's, a personal like, observation <laughs> stuff it and he's like how long have we been married <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> poor Londo so then I, I have um well then Mary Marianne Muriel yeah yeah Marianne from Gilligan's Island <laughs> she makes a joke about Londo and Jakar <laughs> What, did she if you were married to Londo Malari, I think you would all be, all be worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> it is. It's great. That made me laugh. Well, look at Londo. You have this episode where it's him and the wives, and it's like almost slapstick comedy, and then go back, you know, to um, is Elric's departure from Babylon Five, and he, and he gives him the little mini prophecy. He's like, "I see a great hand reaching from the stars, and it's yours." And it shows the power he will have, and in, 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 in my followers, your, your vic- victims, your victims. It's such a Londo is such a dark character because of the decisions he made, but you still get to have. He's still so funny. See, I'm so torn. You should be torn because there's episodes where he'll do, and I joke again. It, he's been from Lost. I have, a, I have. 
doc- Yeah, because I know who that is. Well, no. <laughs> like my friend DJ is watching Lost. I get a text message from him. I love Ben. I get a text message an hour later. I now hate Ben. I have an hour later. Ben is redeemed 45 minutes later. Ben can go F himself. And I'm like, <laughs> Ben is a character who can literally cook a live puppy and eat it. In the next episode, you're like, oh, I feel so bad for him. It's, it's a sign of a great actor, and it's a sign of great writing that you can both despise and love a particular character. But mm. you know, really, yeah, he, he's my favorite character. Yeah, he is because he's just he's he's got so much going on. You you, you don't know how to feel about him from one episode to the next, and it keeps you interested in his storyline. Whereas Jakar, I get bored with Jakar's storyline half the time. Because he's just too one note for too many episodes in a row. True. It's very true. Because Jakar, he's he's lost in the woods, then he kind of finds a direction, whereas Londo continues to circle the parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I just want to close on one thing here. Now, um, Cog, you have seen the entire series. Yes. And Death, you have seen the entire series. Yes. You have both seen season, let's say, four. Yes. From cover that to cover. That would be part of the series, yes. Cut wall to wall. <laughs> Think about season four, okay? Yes. Think about, okay. Um, P.S.? Yes. Who's your favorite character? Michael Garibaldi. (laughs) (laughs) What? We know things. I predict. I predict that PS is going to continue to love Michael Garibaldi in season four. I do. I do. Well, Danielle. What does he do? Danielle at one point said, "Mr. Garibaldi can," and then a bad word. You're going to keep loving him. Yeah. There's going to be so... Well, then you say that. Well, the angst level... If you're someone who enjoys Mr. Garibaldi, the angst level... It's like well, if they that... took a whole season carving out Saltai's eye. Oh. <laughs> oh, poor P.S. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... Uh, now she's going to go watch the rest of season two and season three and season four before we Remember get Remember when I asked to find you out. Was still, if I would still love Salt by the end and I turn out... I did. Yeah. You don't think that's going to happen with Garibaldi? You're going to you're going to I think you'll love Garibaldi, but you're, you you take a trip through a very very bad place. Races through dark places. <laughs> Episode eight. Oh, oh no! A race through dark places. I know. Yes. Which one's a race I'm through dark places? Sure. You can tell those bean counters that they can go to hell. <laughs> Did you, by the, by, by the chance, were, were you like this with your wife? Yeah, all the time. The woman was a saint. A saint. God, yeah. bless, God bless her soul, as Joe Biden I heard said. a good one today. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's can, there? I'm going to see if Kosh. I can... Kosh, who? Gazoon tight. I'm going to see if I can jimmy this lock. I already tried. I set off the sprinkler alarms and scared the crap out of security. By my <laughs> They're trying to kidnap the commander. <laughs> Well, I just love the fact, too, that Susan's basically like, I'm going to go run chorus. No, we're going to sleep in our offices, really, because the president won't be able to sleep tonight knowing somewhere in deep space you're sleeping in your office. Yeah. It confuses me that they have an office and quarters. How does that confuse you? Many things confuse I think it's very, very inefficient. Okay, you just say that because Bill had a desk in his in his quarters. But the thing, yeah, about, the thing yeah, that's Babylon, why I'm saying it. The, the one thing in Babylon Five that always confuses me is it's a realistic portrayal of the future where there are still muggings and robberies and crime and TPS reports and everything. But the offices have no doors. That we they just are you saying they have no doors as in they're open to everybody or they don't have doors because they have a. Sh- sh- 
No, it, look, look at it's at Sheridan's office. No, you're office. you're right. There's no doors. Yeah, there's there is no door. It no opens. Doors. It opens to a corridor without. No, like, how did yeah. somebody not steal his stuff? There's an episode that drives me nuts. In in a particular episode, you can tell they had two sets side by side. Okay, say like on Star Trek, there was the bridge set, and then there's the engineering set built right next to it. It's not meant to imply that the that the rooms were anywhere near each other whatsoever. But th- that's just how they constructed the sets. There's an episode I just watched where. A character walks through one very common set seen in every episode, walks out of the hallway, through a door, and into another set that you see every Wait, episode. Wait, you, you have to say what sets they are. That's not a spoiler. Cause, Why cause, not? Because you, you won't have you, Have we not met them yet? You haven't seen one of them yet. But it implies these two rooms are side by side. How could a room be a spoiler? It can be. Very Yeah. It can be. But the thing that kills me is the door between them is only there in that episode. <laughs> they usually always cover it up. But they wanted just a walk through so they have like the characters doing a mental thought as, as he's walking through the... It, it, it would seriously, you know, be like you walk off the Zocalo and they're sharing this. It's like, I'm like, uh, it, it drives me batty watching that. I backed it up for Danielle. She's like, where'd that door come from? Was that there before? Like, no, they, they just, so it, it absolutely cracked me up. Sometimes they'll do weird stuff like that. But That's going to bug me. You'll, oh, you'll, you'll know you'll it when you see it. it. You'll back the tape up. Where the hell did that door come from? You'll get over it. Bester returns. And if you notice, it's that Psycop from the last episode. At least it Is looks. Is it the same actress? It, it looks, a, I don't know if it's necessarily I, the same actress but the characters look a lot alike and i think they it's do supposed look similar, to be the but same I, person was it supposed to be i don't think person? so i think it's just a coincidence it's not that british bitch from the first season it was driving me nuts i thought she died it's it looks somewhat like the character of jillian anderson from the last episode right here i would enjoy that if it was because then that would make, well then how does she get through with the identity card wouldn't it flash like dead or something and she's trying to false identity where they can do anything they want that's true too we are too. yeah and i don't believe she actually came to the station i thought it was just bester oh you're right no you're right okay so bester is on the trail of the underground railroad for blips and we find he, out in this episode the little short guy from the first season was actually who I always, I refer to him in my notes as Mr. Lumpy Head. <laughs> and I feel terrible, but one of his eyes is not looking in the proper direction, and I'm not sure what the source of that issue is. Well, he was the one in the first season when the guy got beat up. No one would ID the killer or whatever, except for him. Except for him, and he's been here the whole time. And you're like, you're the head of the Underground Railroad, Mwahaha. or you're the deputy director of the Underground Railroad. I should call yeah, it. something like that. And it turns out it's actually Franklin. <laughs> Frank, which I love the scene where he walks into Sheridan's office and says, I, I've received a message and here's what we need to do, blah, blah, blah. And Sheridan's not like, why are they calling you? Because he has the clinic down below. True. True. But the, and that, and obviously the fact that he's the head of the Underground Railroad will become important in, in, mm-hmm. in later episodes. Um, uh, as far as the Underground Railroad, Michael goes into Earhart's on official business. <laughs> and Susan what Ch- Susan what is it? Official business? Yeah, kind of. Hey, everybody, Mr. Garibaldi's here on official business. I was yes, trying to I, come on the QT. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, let's he, just, see. he just assumes it was Susan who's in charge of the Underground Railroad. Uh huh. And she's like, and you're so cute when you're trying to investigate somebody you're close to. He's not a very good cop. It's not me. Damn. 
And he said, yes, he's the head of the cops. Maybe she yeah. has a very trusting face. Like, you want to, like, check her, like, voicemail or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Blast! I've hit another brick wall. Everyone says it's not them. Talia answers the vid with an open robe. She sees it's Bester and she starts covering up. Who did she think it was going to be? <laughs> Pizza Hut. Maybe she likes to flash random callers. Well, it's like the episodes of old Star Trek where, like, Kirk's in his quarters, you know, obviously shirtless, and, like, Spock calls him and he walks over to that little TV set on his desk and turns it on, and Spock's looking back. I'm like, Spock is staring at your crotch. You're, where's the camera in this thing? But, well, maybe Spock wants to see his crotch. Oh, if you wrote the fic, I'm sure he would. <laughs> well, are we talking TOS or are we talking TOS. the new movie? Because I have different ships for each continuity. <laughs> Hold on, let me guess. Let me guess. Kirk, Spock, TOS, Kirk, McCoy, new one? Yes, you're so I clever. Just, I just dug a guess. I, don't, I, I, I figured it wasn't. You are horror. so clever. I figured the horror wasn't in there. So, obviously, by the end of the episode, you have Danielle scream, Talia is a very bad. It's Oddly enough, it's the same word used for Mr. Garibald. Was the word whore? No. You're was the word bitch? No. How what was the word? See? How much time do you have? Nope, not that bad. But it, okay. it's, it's kind of in was the it, Oh, God, we're going young. Was it the F word? Yes. Was it like a conjugation of the F word, or did Danielle not use proper grammar? She did not use proper grammar. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Insert eye no, roll it's, here. It's, Editor, Wayne, if it's you, you know what to do. It's fine, because that word has been conjugated to every single part of speech, so it is being used grammatically correctly. Frack. Yes. That's, that's, let's say frack. Well, she thought... Big fracking deal. Now, because apparently... Oh, you can do better than that. Danielle was under the impression <laughs> that Talia shot 19 people. So yes. In fact, I do believe I did call her a whore, didn't I, Ryan? I believe, I believe you may have. And then, as we find out, Vester walked in the room, looked around, blinked, and left with a smile. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the most important thing about that scene, it never should have worked. Yeah. I don't get how, if he's some big deal, she's some, you know, big fracking deal psychic, how did he not realize they were playing a trick on him? That's that very... is part of the question. He's a tell- well, is, is that like a plot hole or is that a question? No, it's no, not a plot hole. It is a plot point. Here's the thing. Okay. What is different? Is- Talia is a P5. Yes, she's what? a P5. Except, no, except Mr. 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 Man upgraded her. Jason Ironheart, how much did he upgrade her? Because he gave all her the telekinesis. And... All the way. She's now the she's now the most powerful psychic in the world. Okay, can we say telepath and not psychic? Because you make it sound like Miss Cleo was about to do a reading. <laughs> okay, she's now the most powerful telepath. I think she's now off the scale. Okay, fair enough. Another because, PS yeah, because... <laughs> Talia, um, you say that like I'm not right. <laughs> we'll find out. Am I Bester, right? Bester tries to scan Talia right at the end of the episode because he looks back, and that's when he I have tries another. To I have another theory if that's wrong. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, now this is not. Now I'm gonna say say something, and you're all gonna laugh. I, I doubt that very much. I'll laugh. Would we laugh at you? Yes. <laughs> you laugh at me every damn time. I think now something either if, if Bester didn't pick up on this, then like I say, either Talia is like jacked up super telepath or, or they somehow were able to take away Bester's powers. Like maybe I'm he's gonna go with neither. 
What do you think? Then what's your prediction? Yeah, let's well, get Catherine on this. You don't know. Well, I'm I, just I shooting at that... other people without saying something. Oh my god, that was like an unprovoked <laughs> attack. They're doing the thing where they're like waving their arms, their hands flapping at each other, doing the girl fight. Can someone like pull them apart? Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about, I'll Ryan. Do, I'll do a visual next time I see you. Let's Draw make a picture up. for us and share it. <laughs> make a moving picture book so we can understand. <laughs> no, but so so back to point. Uh, Jason Einhart, we, we, we see the thing with the penny, and, and so Talia has telekinesis, yay. But I think the other part of the gift that he gave her was the ability to hide and really shield herself from um, other telepaths so that she can keep secrets, so that she can keep Bester from sensing her other powers, sensing the that, telekinesis, yeah. sensing... And part of it also blocking his perceptions so that he didn't see the trap coming and so that the trap actually worked. Um, so I'm not saying that she's now like a, a level 29 or something, you know, maybe he bumped her up to like an eight. I don't know, but yeah, but definitely I, I, I'll go with that. I mean, I think more. it's something it, it's along not the just, line. it's not just, it, it's not super telepath, but it's, different telepaths. Good shields and the TK ability and because like Mr. Lumpyhead here says, that shouldn't have worked, not with that Psycop. Psycops are specially trained to avoid being taken in by this sort of stuff. Um, Psycops, I mean, P11 is as high as you I was mistaken in a previous episode. I said P10 is as high as you go. P11. So Psycops are all P12s and above. P12, 13. I'm not even sure how high the, the P scale yeah, goes. I'm pretty sure was a P12. I think we hear I'm pretty sure he is. But, he, but yeah, what I mean when I said that he, like, he jacked her up to be super telepath, I didn't necessarily mean she was like P eighty nine. I meant that like meant that like what what he did. Basically, what I'm saying is it worked as a result of Jason Ironheart's gift. And did you oh, notice how she definitely. flung that 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 penny? Well, here's my question. I mean, it's not like she didn't just move the penny; she, she impaled it in the wall. You know what? That the problem there, in addition to the dog, the, the problem there, the, the sets are made of plywood. It, it was a very weak wall. In the yes. Now here's the more the more. Important I mean, it's not like I mean I, I have this image of like of Talia oh. like emptying her purse of change at the end of the day, and all the pennies here's like fly out and punch holes in the ship. Why the hell does Talia have a penny? <laughs> Be- because it was given to her. Pennies. Last year, the U.S. Mint cut 14 billion pennies and shipped them off to the Federal Reserve, which dumped them in our laps. They're worthless. Well, they're actually worth one cent. The dollar has a buying power today that the quarter had 30 years ago. The penny's buying power has shrunk to nothing. Well, that's not true. You can get yourself a gumball. No, you can't. They cost a nickel. Really? No, it was given to her back in psychor training. You know, you were oh given this gosh. penny and told was, to try and move it. It was you, driving me nuts. I'm like, where? Are yeah, I, that did no, bother me. Her, like, her I can't believe veneer. it is archaic money. Yeah, no, the the penny has been mentioned before, and why she has it. So it was mentioned show. in the Ironheart episode yeah. where yep. she first yeah. poked the penny. Because I'm looking down at Abe Lincoln's head, I'm like, I have a question. (laughs) Who is this and why is this here? It was an old Earth president, Abraham Lincoln, who once first said, 
say and it the, that it all goes back to Sheridan's opening speech. And the thing that drove people, the, the thing about Sheridan's opening speech, I think it was that speech. Bruce Boxleitner says he has never been more embarrassed in his life. Because you picture when you when you say a line and you flub it and you say it again and you flub it, and you say it again. it's like us when we try and do the intro. Now you're laughing, so you flub it. And then you say it again, and then you're la- and you can't even get through it. After a while, it gets really old and you get really frustrated. He took something like forty-five takes. Oh, to get one of those things, and he's like, he was so embarrassed, he had to go outside and like take a walk around the like the, the station factory or whatever. Yeah, but take a walk around the station. <laughs> and he had, he had he had to finally take a walk. Oh, and did we see a scene in one of these episodes with Londo standing outside in a vision, looking up? Yeah. Yes. yes. That's, no, that's uh, that's in Coming of Shadows. Yeah, and, yes. and he sees shadows. He sees shadows yeah. fly over him. That yep. was filmed in the parking lot of the set, and they refer to that as the only B five on location shot filmed. He's that's awesome. He's standing outside of the studio door. He, uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's like the only actor who got to leave the set. He thought that was absolutely true. <laughs> that's awesome. And we do know one thing about Londo from that vision that we did not know before about his future. Can anyone? idea after seeing uh, the Emperor. I have a he guess becomes for the it. Emperor? Londo is wearing Londo in his vision of the future is the Emperor of the Centauri Republic. Yep. And then later on he decides he's going to make a choice to not become Emperor. Okay. Mm-hmm. He decides he's not going to go to the royal court and he prefers to actually be behind the scenes and I can't what help I but- think. I think it's I think because is- he has this vision. He doesn't want that to come true. He doesn't want to be emperor. Right. But what I means. think is going to happen, I think that's going to wind up backfiring on him. Like, it's going to be one of those deals where it's, you know, I mean, you see this all the time in different stories where, like, there will be a prophecy. And so they'll try to go out of, it's like Voldemort. I mean, Voldemort thought that he could get out get out of the prophecy by killing Right. Harry, but what he wound up doing was making the prophecy come true by marking Harry as his equal. I think mm-hmm. I think that Blondo, by doing making this choice to not go to court, I think he's winding up making it so that he's going to he's going to wind up. Yeah, it'll come true anyway. Well, that's the thing. Does the dream cause the events in the dream to actually happen? Yeah. Well, the other part of the the dream that makes it all the more credible is in the first season towards the beginning. Londo says that he knows how he will die. He and Jakar are going to kill each other in 20 years. So the fact that he happens to be emperor during this vision is this vision of him and Jakar finishing each other in 20 years modifying that he's now emperor or is this the same yeah, vision all, that like, he's I, always when had? When he said the shadows, I thought I got the impression that he'd always had the dream with the shadows, but then when he saw the shadows he realized what they were. So I would guess he always was emperor. He has never seen a shadow ship. Mm-hmm. Oh. Londo, that Mr. part. Mr. That Morgan part, will send yeah. Mr. Lord Morgan will send his associates and they there's Well, you know what I mean. Well, like I think basically what I, I got the impression that he'd always had the same dream, but like it just now had become relevant. Like he saw these things and he didn't know what they were. I would okay. So you're saying he may not have been the emperor originally when he had the dream? No, I think he was. I think it was always the same dream. Okay. And did he um, always see the ships? Yeah. He like I said, he always saw the ships. He didn't know what they were. And he may still not know what they are. Yeah, right. I was going to say, did, ha, does Londo have any reason to know no, what a shadow had, ship looks no, like? He hasn't seen them. He, he has hasn't. not. No, he hasn't. no, so that's still the no one has seen them, but uh, Jakar. Kefir. 
Jakar and Kefra. And Kefra doesn't know what they are. And the captain of the right. Cortez. Well, is, yeah, right. I mean, but you 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 get what my point is. It is it's not like basically what if when he sees one or if he sees one, it'll be like, oh, this is the thing from my dream. Like he it's right. like he always had the same dream. And the thing right. with dreams too is even if he saw one, he may not recognize it because how many things do you see in the dream that you might not remember when you wake up or you're, you're well, it's not necessarily a dream. It is a vision. A vision yeah. yeah, I don't get that this is like a dream where it's like, oh, you know, I I went into the room and Ryan had his underwear on his head. You know, like that's not that kind of. I thing. thought we were about I to get very graphic dream. there. Is it? <laughs> Show of hands. Show everyone's hand goes up. Uh, you know, I I get the impression that it's a very clear dream and that it's the same every time and that he remembers it. And another thing is the um, moving on. The Centauri Emperor desperately wants to see a Vorlon, mm-hmm. and he does, and, and he, he says, does. "How will this end?" In fire, which we, is not the first time we have seen it, heard it predicted no, I know that it was Babylon fire. Yes, it will end in fire. Well, it will. Fire can have many different um, connotations. One of them, specifically, the vision of Babylon Five burning and the single shuttle escaping before. You know what I will say before we saw Londo's dream played out, and this might be kind of stupid, and you all laugh, but um. I thought that he and Jakar were on that shuttle. Like I thought it was happening at the same time. Uh, like oh, you know, he and Jakar, he and Jakar were like killing each other while Babylon Five was blowing up. Okay, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. Interesting, maybe. I mean, I joked that they were you know the only survivors on the shuttle, but I thought I did get the sense that it was connected in some way, if not simultaneous. And you honestly, you um, and you get more detail too. Obviously, Londo. You know, is a very old man. Jakar is much older, and he does have an um, not an eye patch. But he has like a piece of fabric. He has like an eye eye like belt. It's yeah. like <laughs> he has a piece of fabric wrapped around his uh, his eye there. So I mean, which makes him wonder: is it recent? Very true. I mean, basically, you see old Jakar and old Londo strangle each other with one of them sporting one eye. That's basically... Mm-hmm. And we see Londo looking up at Sky and seeing shadow ships fly by. What the hell does that mean? I mean, that, and we see Babylon 5 burning and one shuttle escaping, but we don't have any context for any of these images. We'll just have to find out. We will. We will when we yeah. watch more episodes for next week's podcast. And we will just leave with one image. Jakar, pissed as all hell that he wasn't able to assassinate the Emperor of the, of the Republic. He's like, if only we could just prop him up, I could strike yeah, yeah. yeah the, in, the indecency to start dying all on his own. The nerve. Like, I would people. say that disturbed me that Jakar was so eager to kill someone. And, and that keep, doesn't surprise me. But keep in mind, I said, I said it disturbed me. I want you to keep that in mind that you, the expectation is that Jakar killing someone would not surprise you, and the fact that he would actually do it. Just keep in mind as the character progresses that this is where he is at this point in the show. And how would it have been different if Londo shoved more than an airlock and drank the damn? drink and meant it. They would be best friends. Be BFFs. Serious, I'm sorry that I doubted you for all those years. How did you think I would betray James and Lily like that? I mean, I was his best friend. What the hell am I? Aww. You thought you were his best friend? Yeah. <laughs> i tell you what. There's only one way to settle this. From this moment on, you and me will be the best friends. Aww. Aww. That's all I ever wanted. Aww.
Isn't that sweet? With uh, the next episode, we are going to go up to... I think I, I kept changing it. Death, you can help me decide this. I thought we should go up to In the Shadow of Zaha Doom. That actually seems uh, fairly decent. For um, in two weeks. Two weeks back, from now. Discussing- which- episode 10, Gropos. Episode 11, All Alone in the Night. Episode 12, Acts of Sacrifice. Episode 13, Hunter Prey. 14, They're All Honor Lies. 15, and now for a word, 16, In the Shadow of Zahadoom. And then we'll come back two weeks after that, and we will finish Season 2, which goes up to The Fall of Night. Yes. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Honestly, this is a very... Exciting. It's not very much like like in all plays you have the setup and then you have the, the, the rising of the angst and then you have all the payoff. This is certainly the season of the rising angst. Although PS hasn't gone to season four yet. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong? I don't understand. Does he kill someone? Oh no, I'm sure he No, 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 it's fine. No, no, it's it's fine. Never. Never. No. Oh he, he kills does he kill oh god, does he kill Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, that note, I'm going to bed. Jeff with the with the bomber jacket of Vela. <laughs> <laughs> the bomber jacket. No, no. <laughs>